Welcome to Prestone TV. Today we're going to be going into one of the deepest testimonies I have come across as it pertains to deliverance from the occult and witchcraft. And I'm so excited about this testimony. I came across uh, this man in 2017 and this testimony radically impacted my life. Now, I've got uh, a background. I'm half Ghanaian and half Nigerian. And with the kind of background I have, uh, some of you who are watching have similar background to me. You're probably Nigerian or Ghanaian or African. You would have heard testimonies of people that have been delivered from the occult, of had encounters with Jesus, and shared of how Jesus delivered them. And I've, I've heard many of these sort of testimonies. However, this one we're about to hear, in my opinion, is one of the most intense and deep I've come across. And I believe God's going to use this testimony to impact you in a significant way. So I want you to stay tuned. Now, our guest today, we actually had to fly him all the way from Uganda to capture this testimony. Because when I heard this many years ago, I was so impacted, I got connected with him, and we've been relating for a few years, and the Lord made it possible for us to be able to get him over to Manchester. So for the first time, it's his first time in the UK, and I'm excited that we're going to get to hear from him today. So would you welcome with me James Kawaya from Uganda. James, it's good to have you in Manchester. Amen. Uh, I thank God that I'm here. And it's my first time to be in the UK. And uh, the timing of the Lord is the best. I know uh, this is the first time also we are, I'm recording my testimony uh, in his folders. Most have been sharing in different platforms. But this is the first time I'm sitting in a recording to share my life testimony. So... I thank God for this opportunity. And uh, oftentimes when I'm sharing my testimony, it's like I'm going back through those experiences. I need a grace. Sometimes the pain returns, the pain of the thing I went through. But I thank God that now after many years now, it's 23 years since I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Wow. And the 23 years has been amazing. I have seen the goodness of God. And uh, also as we start this journey, I want to tell the people that are, uh, the purpose is to glorify Jesus, not not the, the devil, not what the devil can do or what he has done. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the win. Yes. So that's why. So I'm glad that I'm here. I'm so excited to have you here in Manchester because as we go into the details of your testimony, I'm going to be asking you questions about, you know, things that have happened in your past. And as you share them, you know, there'll be things that, you know, I'm sure lots of people may not even understand because we have lots of people watching People from African backgrounds may be able to relate. Some of you watching are from Western backgrounds, and you might not understand some of the depth of the occult. In fact, some of these things will blow your mind when you hear, you know, the depth to which people engage in dark activities. But I know, just as James said, God is going to use this to glorify his name. And I also want to point this out before we go into this testimony, that right now you're a pastor. You lead a church in Uganda, and you're used in incredible ways by by God in deliverance ministry, uh, miracles, and God moving. In fact, primarily you're an intercessor. You're used as strategic. Do you, do you want to just give us an idea of some of the things you do right now? I am leading a ministry called uh, Lifeway uh, Institute of Deliverance. What we do and what God has called me to do is to strategically train intercessors in the, uh, to pray and take over territories for God. So mostly I'm not pastoring the church, though we, I started the church. We are having other pastors pastoring the church, 
we are also running a Christian television station in Uganda, worship television, just for worship and prayer. Uh, one of the things the Lord told me to do after encountering Jesus and seeing the power of prayer, by the way, I, I knew the power of prayer before I became born again. I kept uh, like encountering uh, people praying and wondering what kind of lives are they. What example, maybe to bring it out, is uh, I was still in the occult and uh, I was in the city in Kampala and I remember I got uh, instruction from our leaders to vacate the city and stay away 70 miles away from the city and remove all our operations because a man of God was coming in the city. And I remember we were told that if we stay in the city where that man is, his prayer would kill us all, all convert us. And I remember the instruction was stay out of the city 70 miles away. But also, do not enter the city even 21 days after after he has left. So uh, I was still in the occult, and I was like, what kind of power is this? Because I knew the power. I knew Selena. I knew I had been all these kind of powers. But then we were being warned not be around that man's, where he is in the city. Seven, that, that man was uh, was Maurice Cerullo. So he was coming to the city, and I remember we were told, stay out of the city. 70 miles away and do not enter the city another 21 days because even after 21 days his power the effect of his power remains in the atmosphere after 21 days he has been the city so i knew the power of prayer so when i came to christ the lord was telling me okay you have seen the mistakes the errors because one of the work i was doing before i came to christ was fighting churches and breaking churches and the, and the lord was saying now you know how you broke these churches and you know what were the, the errors and the mistakes and the weaknesses? So can you train an army of intercessors all over the world to bring out, uh, to, to, to start a territory? Wow. So we are working with nations like Sri Lanka. We have work in Sri Lanka. I work in Singapore. I work in Botswana. I work in Gabon. And uh, a few places where I've been doing... You've been in Europe to a few, few in places Europe. as well. Uh, we're having a work in Munich. Uh, we're doing a great work in Munich to raise intercessors and train young people to intercede and then they take over the nations in prayer. So one of my my calling, people call me apostle as a pastor, but my call is an intercessor. That's right. So I don't know if you can call me intercessor James. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So now let's go back to the beginning. Uh, what are the earliest memories you have? Uh, my, my, my memory when I was around three years, I realized in my home I was living with my mom and my uncle, the brother to my mom, and no one else. And it was strange because I was wondering why other people don't come to our home. Later I realized that when I was three months old, my father and my sisters left the home and did not return because of the strange things that were happening in the house, in the home. Now, I don't know what happened, the strange things. I can't, I didn't see, at least when my mother told my story. But uh, uh, when I was three years, uh, the event that uh, I can remember is the death of my uncle. And when I began now uh, my initiation into witchcraft, okay. when I was three years. I want us to come back to the death of your uncle, but before we come back to that, can you tell us what happened before you were born? Because this is really critical part of understanding your journey. Uh, give us an idea of what was going on with your mom 
and a marriage and her desperation to have a son that laid the foundation for you to come into this world. Uh, so uh, I came to hear this story when I was around 12 years to hear my, the story of my birth and why I was strange. Now, by the age of 12, I was already deep in the occult. I had made, I'd been made a trainer of witches when I was the age of nine. At the age of seven, I was, I was a territorial witch in charge of a territory. Uh, I had strength powers. People older than my mother could come and bow to me, uh, politicians, businessmen for powers. So I kept wondering, where did I get all these powers? Where am I strange? But my mother kept telling, taking me to different uh, witch doctors for help to be, take, to be delivered from those powers. But several times, we could go to these places, uh, to the witch doctors, and the witch doctors could chase my mother away, claiming that when she takes me to them, I steal their powers. So like they, even the witches, the sorcerers, the designers, even they, 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 they hated me because they were, but this boy, this baby has strength powers. So oh, my mother decided to take, to take me to a man in Pemba. Pemba is in, in Tanzania, in the Indian Ocean, who was, a, he was called a sultan. So in this journey, she, she said, I'm going to take you to this man, and this man is going to help you. So that's when I asked. I remember we were in, in, in Dasa, where we on the port trying to get a ferry to go to, to Pemba. And I asked her, but mom, tell me something. Why am I strange? And I could see when I looked, I remember I looked at my mother and like, this time she was desperate to tell me, said, please, can you not interfere with where we're going? Can we, please don't interfere. So like to convince me not to interfere, my powers, the power I had up as a boy, for where we're going. So she had to tell me the story of my life, how, how she ended up in this. So this is what she tells me. She says, uh, when she got married to, the reason she married my father, because her father had died, and her father was a, a rich chief, and she was the only daughter, and she had a brother, my uncle then, and when, my, when her father died, she says, she knew the family, in Africa, most times, the family can, would take over every property. So she needed protection. So, uh, by the grace of God, she says, at the time when her father died, and she's desperate, she's just a young lady, then my father started dating her. And my father coming from a prominent family, a very known family and very strong, she thought this man, if he marries her, she'll get protection. So she, she gets into the family. Now, my father also was marrying her because he had been told he didn't find a young girl, marry Ali, and get as many children as possible. Because my father, being a son of a chief, a son of like a prime minister, he was the only son. His, the brother had died. Uh, he had uh, seven sisters, the only son. So they were like, now you need to get a woman, get children, and raise a hair for the throne, like the chief dog. So he marries for the purpose of getting a son. Mm -hmm. So when she married, uh, my, my father and my mother married, she gave birth. The first child was a girl. The second child, also a girl. The third child, also a girl. Now, by the fourth child, the entire 
finally the the, the, the chiefs the tribe they are all like this woman is a west because in my tribe if you have only girls they say you don't have children well so they wanted hair mm. so in desperacy she tried to she, she went different witch doctors in different parts of the the, the, the nation and they, so she went they told her we're gonna help you conceive and she conceived the fifth child who was now also a girl mm. she went on different witch doctors different altars different plan and also she conceived again a sixth child also a girl uh. <laughs> and she tells me that she was so desperate because she knew if she can't get a son she will lose the marriage and now her life will be wasted though at that time she's told she told me that uh uh someone told her that there's someone who can help help her conceive a son she had gone to all kinds of altars out of in uganda and outside uganda she had traveled different parts and gave different sacrifices she had the money she, had, she could sell her properties to travel different places to get to help her conceive mm. so in this on this particular journey where she went she was told to go to a forest in tanzania there's a place in tanzania northern tanzania there was a place so she went there and she realized that when she arrived at the place they told her she had to undress and live in the forest for seven days going through cleansing well wow. before she appears before the person to help her mm. now before I, I want there's something i want us to note here that that was the king of darkness mm -hmm. but they understand the principle of consecration yeah. and cleansing yeah now i understand after so they tell her you have to undress stay in the forest cold uh don't eat anything cooked for seven days so after the seven days you are clean enough to appear before this priest who was going to help her so she says when she appeared after seven days that this priest was a woman who always lived in the days in the forest and uh, she was like the chief witch of the entire continent because all the witch doctors I mean the entire country of Africa continent the, wait she was the chief witch of the entire continent of Africa okay. Africa so wow all the witches or the wizards or the sorcerers or the the politician the leaders could go to her for powers so she she lived in the forest that woman that priest and she had only one breast like one breast in the middle of the chest so all the people that went to her to see her often went through a similar ritual similar ritual. have to stay in the forest for seven days they're cutting leaves and leaves and, 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 and fruits for seven days wow. and then after seven days you appear before her that was the ritual and it was like a, everyone had to go through that so she had there were many people there so she said when she appeared when she came to her she looked at uh, that witch that priest looked at my mother and said go away i will not help you so she has been in the forest for for seven days now she's walking away she says this now just what she told me she said as she was going away she looked in the sky and saw a sign something that told her that she has a son she doesn't know at all so she she goes she walks back to the place where they register and she tells them please i want to go and try again then they tell her but also if you have to try again you have to go again through another seven days now the seven days she went through and then she went another seven days 14 days later i'll be sharing with you when i was sick my deliverance 
I had to go through the same cycle of being delivered the seven days and another seven days, but now in the, in the church setting. <laughs> because I want to tell people that uh, salvation is free, but deliverance is a price, mm. a price of consecration and being set apart. Mm. So she says that, uh, so the second time, the next seven days, she goes to appear. And when the witch, when the priestess saw her, said, you are back, you are back. Then my mother tells me, said, okay, I'm back, but you need to help. Then this woman looks at her and says, well, I can help you, but I can see. Now, I don't know what I they were using. I can see in the spirit, you have a son, but he's very far in the rocks. He's very far in the rocks. In the rocks. Now, that's the statement of my mother. He's far in the rocks, and there is a strange star on him. If I bring him out, he will be a problem to our powers. Mm. The only thing I can do, if you can offer sacrifices, but also if you can uh, accept the condition we shall give you. So my mother asked, what sacrifice? They told her I have to give seven cows for nine months. That is 63 cows as a sacrifice. Mm. Then say, okay, I'll do that. You know, because she was desperate and she had the means. Then they tell her, okay. Seven cows every month for nine months. For nine months. That is 63. So uh, then the, the condition was, okay, if you conceive and give birth, and this is a boy, you promise you will offer him to that woman, the princess, as a husband. She didn't know what it means. She didn't know what it meant. First tell me she didn't know that it was that time. And then they told her, okay, when you give birth, you must bring that child to the forest before the end of the first day. In other words, before the sun goes over him. She tells me she didn't know what was involved in. So she left, offered the sacrifice, returned home, she conceived. To a surprise, she gave birth to a boy. Now, the vow was to carry that boy from the city where she gave birth to the forest around 300, 300 maybe 400 kilometers away from the city and that is 1975 the transport means was not that good i don't know how she traveled so she travels from the city in kampala to go to 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 fulfill the vow what shocked her she tells me when she arrived at the forest this time it was not she was not she was she didn't go through the ritual but there was like a, a wedding. Hundreds of people were gathered. They knew she was coming. Gathered for what? And she realized it was now going to be the wedding of her one-day-old son and the 60-year-old woman. So, for those of you watching, I don't know if you understand what he's just said. <laughs> on the day he was born, on the day you were born, you were married to a, a 60-year-old a 60-year-old witch that was the grandmaster witch for the, for the continent of Africa. of Africa. That is mind-blowing. And you know, what, what she told me, the, the, the wedding was conducted by uh, the, the chief, the witches of the continent uh, first, and then the bishop of the diocese also came what? and conducted the wedding between this one-day-old boy and a 60-year-old woman in the forest. Wow.
So, in fact, also when he told me, say, I issue, I said, yes, uh, Bishop so and so, which I knew. Later, I'll share what, how he got involved in my life. And now he, now he moved me from that same bishop, from the witchcraft to the occult, because they are different. Mm. So, for her, when she read there, she, there were all these people, the celebrations from different parts of the continent had come to the forest for the wedding. Now, according to her, that was the, the moment where this woman, the witch, was to transfer her powers to the boy, mm. the one-day-old boy. Now, I was one day old. I didn't know what was happening. So after the ritual, after the ceremony, day of celebration and what, the, the wedding, the marriage is conducted, the covenant and all the sacrifices. So they tell her, you know what? Now, this child is not just a child. This is now a man. So you're not going to breastfeed him because now he is somebody's husband already. And she told me that in her mind, she said, well, 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 okay, I'll go home. These people will not be there. I have to breastfeed my child. You know, I've, I've suffered a lot. I've paid the price. I have done all this. I, like he was treasuring this child. Mm. So she returns home. Ah, when she went home, the, my father said, where have you been? He said, okay, and all this and this. What, so did your father not know what she was doing? She, she did, he didn't know. He did not know. Because when she left hospital, she just went to the gym. So my father, where's my wife? I, she's looking at her. So when she appears, where have you been? So he had no idea that she was this deep in her, in her passion to find a boy or to get a son. He didn't. The only thing he knew, I like, my, the wife could, my mother could disappear for days. And he knew where, where he has gone. So uh, when she returned home, she says, I was a baby. She put me in a baby court in a, in a bed. Then go dress up, uh, clean up, and then come and breastfeed the child. And when she returned, she found a python rolled, coiled around the baby. Yeah, python. That's yeah. Baby. <laughs> and she says she could not come near because of the python. So she ran out. The people of the village came around. My father came around. They could see the snake, and no one could come in. Could they not kill the snake? I, I don't know why. So she says for 30, for, for 30 days, for, 30, well, for, for three months, she would not come near me. So was the python wrapped around you every day, all day, 24-7? 24-7. So she says she didn't breastfeed me. She didn't, uh, she didn't come near me. And then the whole village would come and just peep in. And then there was rumors around that this woman gave birth to a child and a snake. Now, I had those rumors when I was growing up. It was the talk of the in their community. You know that child is a twin, they could say, he's a twin, he was born uh, with a snake. But my mother says, no, she didn't give birth to a snake. The snake just came when she came back to the house. Now, I, I don't understand how this was done. So after three months, my father left. Now, she, he picked the six girls and left the home. She remained alone. And because of that, my mother got a mental breakdown. So she was not like a mad woman in the community. So she's left alone with a child, yeah. a demon child, with a brother who was living with her. Now the husband, my father, and the children left. So she's deserted. So by the time I'm three, three years old, I, the only person I know is my uncle and my mother who has no attachment with me. Why? She's mentally 
uh, disturbed. She always like, spent all her time alone in the bedroom. Uh, like, there's no way. So as a child, I didn't have any attachment with her. I didn't see my sisters. I didn't meet my, my father. The only person now I know is my uncle, the young brother to my mother, who like was also, I don't know what happened, was also addicted to alcohol. So he could drink and what. Now, so he tells me, I remember as the other three, when he was drinking his alcohol, he could give me because that's the only thing he had. My mother was did not breastfeed me. The husband had left, deserted her. And uh, she tells me that uh, the day my father left and we with my sisters is the day the snake left also. So when he left, also it left. So she remained with this child. But now she was so hard. She was so heartbroken. And then she got into a mental breakdown because of the, the husband leaving her. She's alone. And so as a child, I'm in that house with only my uncle. Mm. Like the, all the community, the relatives, the people, but no one comes to our home. Because the talk of the, the, the community, the talk of the villages, in that house, it's a snake. There's a snake, yeah, yeah. and there's a boy who was born. So, so you had no connection with anyone else apart from your mother, who was mentally unstable, and your uncle was, you know, a drunkard who was is struggling with alcohol addiction. Addiction. And then you're three at this point. Uh, yeah. Your earliest memories are around three and four. Three and four. That's the that's the memory I have. And then something really tragic happened. So, uh, I, the only person I know is my uncle. In one day. I'm with, I'm, we are staying in a small room with him. I remember I was two and four, I have this memory. And uh, then the door, someone hit the door, opened it, and my uncle came running. And then these two, five guys, they were soldiers. By that time, the nation was in a civil war. So they came into the house, I don't know why. They came chase my uncle, then they shot him. But what, what surprised me that they didn't kill him. They, they shot him five times and watched him bleed. Like, I'm there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, and uh, they shoot, wait, they shoot, wait, they shoot, wait, they shoot, wait, they shoot, wait. And then I the delivery, I remember they're they shooting in parts that do not kill him instantly. So then I see these men are standing there in the room, and they're watching him, and he's bleeding, and bleeding slow. And, and they saw you there? Yes, to make sure that I'm there. So they bring me near him, they shoot him when I'm near him, and they watch his bleeding, and bleeding, and bleeding, and I saw him die. So, like, he bled for like two hours there, they are watching, and when, like, he stopped, like, mourning, groaning, and crying, and, and then he slowly died, and uh, that way I blacked out. So when I blacked out, when I woke up the next morning, the people in the committee had come around to, to see what happened. I realized I'd become a different person. I realized by that time, something had left. The human, like I was not human. From that time until I got born again at 24, my greatest joy was to cause misery. I was a sadist. I enjoyed causing trouble, killing. I enjoyed like seeing people suffer. And that would bring me joy. But I could, I can trace that happened the day. Like, now I understood after I became a Christian, 
when I was going through my healing. Because I got saved, but the healing took time. It took like 10 years to be healed. My healing, especially deliverance and healing took 10 years. Because parts of my life were fragmented. Mm. See? So part of your soul. Now, I, happens I later understood that was that at that moment, a part of my soul was trapped. And, and later I realized that after I got married. Because mm. when I got married, I could not relate with my wife as husband wife. Wow. So I went in prayer. And then the Lord took me to that moment mm. when I was three years and showed me when I blacked out, what happened? Because God uh, is all-knowing. Jesus is all-knowing. So to deliver me, he had to show me what happened when I blacked out, what happened to my soul, what, where was I trapped. So when I got married, I married when I was 36, very late. According to, so I was a 36-year-old man but the, my soul was three years. So I remained trapped at three years. But now I was a man mm. with a body, even born again now, mm. got married, but I could not relate with my wife as husband because I had been... Yeah, because of that trauma. And that trauma. So when that happened, my uncle was dead and I became a different person. Those people in the occult came to my mother and say, you know what, what has happened to your brother? It's because we want this boy. You have to give her now officially to us. You have to surrender her, him to us. So she tells me, she, but now this one I remember it. She got me. And there is a place where there's the, the headquarters of the occult in our nation. It's like a cave. They said it's like a, a cult. As if they believe in God, but not God. They don't believe in the Bible. It's like a cult where politicians go and even religious leaders. So she takes me to this place. This place, like I said, is a cult, like a religion. Now, when the, their leaders die, they don't bury them. They embalm the bodies and pile them in a cave, the dead bodies. So she took me and hand me over to those people. Now, remember my uncle is dead. I'm, I have this pain. Now, the only person I know now remaining is my mother. So she hands me over to these people who I don't know. They get me. Now, remember, I have the trap. Just lost my uncle. Put me in a cave with dead bodies. Lock it for three days and three nights without food, without water. And how old are you at this point? I'm now two and four. It's, it's just a few Gosh. a few weeks from the death of my my uncle. Wow. So now I remember the pain and the betrayal I felt as a child. That now my only mother, the one who I thought could protect me, has handed me over to these people who have now locked me in a cave with dead bodies, pitch dark, day for three days, hungry without food. Now, so what happened in that in that cave? The things I saw inside there those three days, like the spirits, Lucifer, the demons, could come and talk to me, serpents could come into my body. You know, you all, all kinds of things were done on my body. So it was the, in, like in being initiated into deep occultism, which like every part of my body. Now, that's the first time I am knowing about the snake with Namama to tell me which came at birth. Now remember, it came around me, coiled around me in the cave and entered my body. Wait, 
physically or spiritually? Physically. And you know, all my life until I got born again, it lived in my body. I could know when it's moving. I could know like you could tell something is moving in the body. It's like now the spirit in this man took over and now it could control me. Now from that time on, say this, until the day I got born again, all my life I was in pain. There's no day I remember I was not in pain until the day I gave my life to Jesus for 24 years. Every day, it, the, that pain was there in my body. All because that thing had to keep me in pain in order to use me. Because if Satan controls you through pain, because it has to manipulate you to control you, so it had to keep in my body. I could not eat well. I could not live well. So the only way I could avoid pain is to be drinking. If I began drinking, I didn't drink alcohol and what, I became addicted to alcohol. Because that's the only way I could now kill the pain. The pain, like yeah. the, the pain. So that's a powerful thing you said. Satan controls you through pain. There's so many people that, you know, come into the trap of the enemy because of bitterness and all sorts of things that have happened in their past that have not been resolved through the cross and accepting Jesus. In fact, they may have accepted Jesus, but they've not allowed him to bring healing and they've not forgiven. But that's an access point for control for the, of the enemy. Yeah, because it controls the pain. And also, you can give your life to Jesus Christ, but you need, first of all, deliverance and you need also healing to restore your soul. Because if you've given yourself to the enemy, the first thing you do, you fragment your soul and keep all different parts of your soul in different prisons. The bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, guilt, hatred, yes. traumas, all this. Now, each one of them is like a print on your life and you now has given you a false identity and personality, which is not you. So you have the, the identity and the personality of the demons that are now residing in those pits where the pain is so i have the pain i hate my mother and i hate everyone i don't know my father so the enemy every time is to use me is to remind me the people humans are bad you know you know you, you have to kill them you have to do this they are evil they are bad they hate you they are so you i don't have remember there's no emotional attachment you know, because the child as a child is growing up the love you get from your parents is what now grows in you. So now, because there was not that, emotionally, I didn't have emotion. I was emotionally trapped. I didn't understand what's love, what's fear. I never cried. I never laughed. Wow. Because I didn't understand this. You see? So now you go through this deep ritual. Three days com is completed. You come out. And what happens? People when, are worshiping you. When I come out... What surprised me, hundreds of people are waiting for me. So they come out and they're worshipping. Like I'm a, like a god. They're bowing and worshipping. And, and you're four years old. I'm four years old. So like, I said, what's going on? Now now my mother has no access to me, has no authority over me. Because now, that's when I know. Now I've been uh, initiated and ordained as a witch. So from that time, there's a part of me that's human. I want to be a child. But then uh, the people treat me like a power. You know, you want to play, you want, but no one comes next to you. First of all, no parent would allow their child to come near you. Mm. You see, two, you were busy, you know, people could come every day, day and night for help mm. to get powers, to get what, then some of them are as old. One of the things that I so painful, even I remember right now and read it, it, it had a lot of, the, 
papers old, older than my mother could come and they have to undress to be naked before women and then you have to give them powers now if a four-year-old you're exposed to such that affects your life and then even today like it affected my life wow. until jesus healed me you know like you're seeing naked naked women and naked men you a four-year-old a five-year-old that affects you the way you look at people the way you think the way so what satan does is to abuse you know you know you see when people abuse children people think it's just last some days in initiation mm. they are initiating them when they expose them to pornography when they expose them to do all these things like men and who, who abuse children like and in, in my ministry of father time many people that who are struggling to be healed and delivered it happened their exposure was in childhood between one and six those were sexual abuse, those were molested by teachers, parents, uh, siblings, and all. And it is a gate the enemy uses to trap the soul. Mm. So mine was trapped. But, okay, the killing of my uncle trapped, trapped me. Yeah, then the know. betrayal of my mom trapped me. But then the years of being exposed to such things, like mm. you, women and men, come to you day, every day, have to undress, sit naked before you. So, at this point, where are you living? Are you, are you just living in the forest somewhere? What's, are you with your mom still? Now, the home where I'm living, my, my, my father left. It's like now a hospital. It's like, a, it's like, oh, so at this point, you go back home and lots of people are now visiting your house. Because the other woman, her powers have been transferred now. So they know where this, they call me the, the baby, they call me the baby witch, where the baby witch is. So they can come for powers, for what and what. And, uh, I'll say this sometimes, I fear to say, but I'll say, even some people in church circles could come to pastors, pastors and bishops, some, some of them could come to me for powers in their, in their so-called ministries. And so when I got born again, the Lord, wow. actually the Lord lead, led me to most of them who were still, who are still alive and could say, you remember what you were doing and you need to, to confess and to repent and turn away. And many, hey, listen. many could say, you know, I have the, the name the big congregation, I can't, people will run away from me. I tell you, I'm going to expose you. But the Lord told me now, expose them with not help. You said you were going to, you told them you were going to expose them. So I'm going to expose them. But the Lord told me, exposing them will not help. What will help is them to repent. But you know, for years, I feared. I knew how dangerous it was until 2016 when I shared my testimony. You know, I never shared my testimony until 20. What you had, it was my first time sharing my life story. Yeah, so it, just, just to put a break in the, in the story here. So I got you at the testimony you shared. African. African. Uh, I got it maybe somewhere around 2017. Someone was there that heard the testimony and then gave me the CD. And I can't, I've lost it now. But I remember being so marked. Not by this part of the story, but there's some around yeah, yeah, where we're going. <laughs> And it, it was connected with intercessory prayer. I was so marked. And then I was going to have you. I knew someone that knew you. And then they connected us. And, you know, here we are today. But this is just incredible. Uh, to just hear how, you know, you were so deep in the occult and how you were helping even men who were serving God, in quotes, but using demonic powers at four, at five. The wisdom you were dispensing to them, was it just flowing through you without you even aware of where you got it from? 
I don't know where it was coming from. So you're just giving instructions and directions and... Because at, at that time, when I left that place, that, uh, that, uh, that cave, the spirit world and the natural world could be before me in 24 hours. I could see them like I'm, I'm looking at you. So I could know people's past. I could know where they're coming from. And I could know what is done in secret. I could know who will be the leader, who will be the president, what will be done, who needs to, and all that. So like everything was bare. I could see. In fact, I swear I got born again that the Lord cut that. Mm. Because it was no God. Yeah. He had to cut that. And many people, when they get, they get born again, who have been your cult, they don't want to let go of that. Mm. So they confess Jesus, but still hold on to those powers. Because the powers, they have the advantages. And what they feel advantages. So the Lord had to lead me into years of deliverance to cut off that. Now, we're going we're gonna to touch the deliverance at, at some point. Because that's a huge thing. Because many Christians don't believe deliverance is uh, something that you need to have as a, as a Christian. We'll deal with that later. So at this point, you're six, you're seven, you're eight. So I, I, I am six. I am four. Now I'm doing that. When I'm seven, I, I am made a territorial witch. Explain to us what that means. Uh, in the occult, the king of darkness, it's about territories. As the church should have been. Now, each one has a territory. And in the territory, I'm like a, maybe 5,000 or 7,000 witches in a certain territory who are submitting to your powers and to your altars so you are like in charge of a territory so i was in charge of southern uganda and northern tanzania so like that that's the was a region which is called the kagela katonga region kagela is a river so they divide the nations by rivers or by mountains so from this river this river is your territory so i'm made in charge of that territory when i'm seven the youngest seven when i was seven and you, did you say you were in charge of 5,000 witches? Oh, oh, over 7,000 over 7, witches. Over 7,000. And I, I was meant that as a se uh, uh, seven years, when I was seven years. So, and, uh, you know, when you are made uh, territorial, leader in the territory, your first assignment is to destroy the, the one you are taking over from. Wow. So you have to destroy and kill all his priests and his witches destroy everything, even him, for you to do that. So was that like your first act of murder, so to speak? Yes, the first assignment, the, because the king of darkness is about, you, it's about destroying. The devil came to kill, destroy, and rob. So you destroy islands for you to reign. So the, the one who is in charge knows if another one is coming, they're coming to fight and kill. So there's that destroying. So I take over the territories and they say this, I remember they would say, this boy is wicked. Others, like they had that human side of their life, like pity and love, though they were in witchcraft. But now me, who didn't have any emotion, you know, like a raised without emotion, raised without a family, raised in bitterness, raised in anger and rage, in all kind of hatred. So I could not feel anything like pity and mercy and what. So when you when you kill them, this you, you did it by spiritual means. By spiritual Obviously, yes. attacking them, what, in dreams, sicknesses, all sorts of things. And they knew they were in a battle with you. With me. Because now they know another prince is rising as to destroy the others. So they attack, you attack. And then if you are able to destroy them, let them, when they die, then you take over the territory. So I took that territory for only two years. After two years, I'd finished my assignment, and then I am made to be a trainer 
of other witches. Other now, or whoever wants to be trained. Trained in anything. In all kinds. In all kinds of things. Astral projections. In what? So by this time, you're nine. I'm, I'm nine. So I'm now beginning to be uh, a trainer. As I said, my mother, though she had that mental problem, she kept thinking that she can break this and I become a normal child. By the way, I'm also going to school at the same time. You were schooling? Yes. Well, how are you related to all the other children? Because you said earlier that no one wanted to play with you. Yes, but I'm, I, my mother took me to school. And uh, I remember most of my teachers in the early years, I could be in school like thrice or four times a time. A time. But uh, surprisingly, all my school up to university, I was always the best. Mm -hmm. But I was not attending classes. Mm -hmm. I could not attend classes, but I knew, like, I could go and write my exams and be the best without attending classes. Wow. And I can't tell how. Mm. So I, I could, as a child, I want to be, there's a part of me already that wants to be, longed to be a child. Mm. You know, even when I grew up and I became born again, I found that I find so attached to children that they, you know, there's like a, a baby, me still long to be a child. Because I missed that as a child, I missed that as a yeah, as a baby. I didn't have that love. I didn't. So it's like there's a part of me, a part of my life that was skipped. And it's it's not only me. I believe that I've found many people in my ministry of deliverance that their childhood was robbed. Of. Their childhood was robbed from them. Yes. Yeah. And I know some people watching right now. That may be one of the issues dealing with mm -hmm. that your child, a part of you, was trapped. As a child, they mean that by rape, by, by rape, by trauma, trauma exposure to witchcraft, yes. death, accidents, and all this. And your when your child is taken away from, robbed from you, you may find it hard to function in a dark unless the Lord can trace back the moment of the trauma, the moment of the abuse, and move and carry you through to bring the place of healing. Now, for me, my childhood had taken away. Though, as I was growing up, I want to relate with people. I wanted to be. There's a part of me that long, I can look at children and want to be like them. But then, if I relate with them, then the powers in me could maybe destroy them. Mm. And wait, were these powers out of your control? Yes, they're out of my control. Really? Yeah. So I, I didn't have you show up and things just happen. And just happen. Give us examples like, because in part of, in your book, you were saying, Now, for me, my childhood had taken away. Though, as I was growing up, I want to relate with people. I wanted to be, there's a part of me that long, I could look at children and want to be like them. But then, if I relate with them, then the powers in me could maybe destroy them. Mm. And wait, were these powers out of your control? Yes, they're out of my control. Really? Yeah. So, I, I didn't have you show up and things just happen. And just happen. Give us examples like, because in, part of, in your book, you were saying something about you looked at someone and they fell over and they, they died. <laughs> Like, like I look, I can look at a child like in school, and I feel hot, like the child just falls down and collapses and faints. Or I look at a teacher. I remember one time I was in like early years, like the, after like kindergarten, I looked at the teacher. Maybe she shouted at me, and she became blind. What did she know that that was you that did that to her? Yes, because I think she tried to find out and say, "You can." So she came to me and said, "Can you help me get back my sight?" I said, you I said, okay, you will. Then the next day she was seeing. Okay. And so she told everyone in the school, then they feared to send me out of the school because they didn't know what, what would happen to the school. 
Now that's the ideas. So these forces were in me, out of my control. I didn't do that by my will. Because remember, as a three-year-old, you're trapped in a cave. So you, it's as if your will is blocked. You, you, you are taken, something has taken over your life. And I know there are people even who today, they, are, they have not recovered their will. If they were involved in the occult, in witchcraft, in abuse, in all these, and they have been trapped. That's why they need inner healing. They need deliverance. They need now to someone to walk them the journey of healing. You know, people can hear the gospel, but there must be a ministry that facilitates the healing of the soul, especially the people that were trapped, especially in childhood. Those, uh, this is what you call the, 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 the sexual abuse, the ritual sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And because when I was there, most of the, these businessmen, the, the musicians, the celebrities, could come for powers. They went to get the powers. Say, so go and find a young child, a virgin, and rapper, sexually a rapper, maybe seven. Like they're going to have a mere a show, and say, before for that show to be successful, find a guy. They're going to have a what? Like a show, like a music show. Music show, right? Okay, okay. A concert, a concert, yes. And they come for power and say, for that power, you need to find guys, rap them, sexually abuse them. And as a child, in those early years, you were giving some of these instructions to some of these celebrities. To celebrities, to politicians to businessmen and all different things for for spiritual powers and so when they do that act they're also initiating that challenge so that people that have experienced some of these horrific acts and don't even know that they were initiated through those acts they don't know they find that part of them were, was was robbed and taken away in some of them like this for example let me give an example a, a, a musician a celebrity who gathers young girls around himself to use them every time before he goes for a concert. Mm. So those girls, they have been initiating. And then they go to their friends in schools and initiate also their friends and maybe relatives, like their brothers, their sisters, and expose them to the powers of darkness. What are the fruits that we see in the life of a person that helps us to know that there's been an initiation? Isolation, rebellion, addiction, anger you know maybe any manifestation of actual witchcraft activities yeah. in their lives yeah. known or known to them but maybe consciously or subconsciously known or unknown because some of them they receive what they call guardians a, a voice takes over their lives and they have like a multiple personality multiple multiple personalities it's like another person you, you see like young people who like suddenly they, they call themselves someone else say i'm so and so and that and you can discover that now another being is in charge of this person so uh, that is the initiation of what is being done but let me we go back to the story <laughs> let's go back to the so okay so back to time you're nine years old now yeah and you've been you've you've been promoted after you did all the bad stuff you did and so what happens after you're not so, uh, your mom is trying to find people to help you the way it takes me to help i destroy them you know, and I'm wondering why, because if I was in the same kingdom like them, why was I destroying them? And what was that which was destroying them? Was it the enemy destroying the enemy, or it was God destroying the enemy? And you were not doing this consciously. Not consciously. So even today I'm saying, why was that? Was the Lord involved in my life, or was something else? So when I was uh, 12, that's when 
the story said about my mom taking you to uh, Tanzania, somewhere in Tanzania, to a witch that was going to break the covenant, uh, the marriage covenant that your mom believed was what's controlling you because you wanted to be a normal child. So on your way to that witch is when she told you the story of your birth. So, okay. On my way to that, so she told me the story of how I was conceived, what happened conception. Uh, to her, like, maybe she was trying to convince me to say, please, let's seek help. And I could see she was begging. A lot of things happened during that, that journey. I could stir up the ocean, then different things. Then she would beg, please don't, please don't. So we traveled to this place in Pemba. When we arrived there, that I tried to, to attack that man as a child. And the man begged. Remember, he, he took me and said, yeah, man, I am old. I've finished my work. Don't waste your power on me. So like he begged and I did not attack him. And uh, she told my mother, she said, woman, no witchcraft, no diviner, no witch can help this boy. If you need him to be helped, take him. That man was called Sultan, he was a Muslim. He said, take him to the church. And that's a, a witch, take him to the church. No one can help him. And my, my mother said, no, you know what? And the man tells, told my mother, now let me let me show you that no one can help him. So he built a hut, uh, uh, in a hut, like mm -hmm. built with the mud and what, and put me in the hut and covered with grass and set it on fire. My mother's crying, my son said, we went. So when the fire died, I was not in the hut, in that small house. My mother said, what happened? Then he told her, He's back home. You go home. He has returned home. Not using now the mean the, the ship. <laughs> Not using the car. And I, I projected back home. Now that's something you've already been doing before and then. Right? Now that one, I, was, I knew how to do it. I, I began that at the age of five, six. So uh, I projected, left the heart, traveled back home. Because from the age of six, I could do astral travels. Travel from different places without using natural means. So... She, that man tells my mom, take him to the church. So she comes home, finds me back home, no, and say, why did you do this? So she gets me and takes me to the bishop who conducted the wedding. Oh, because that's the church she knew. Wait, this is, wait, this is the bishop who conducted the wedding Marrying you to a 60-year-old wage, and then your mom takes you back to so the same bishop. To say, you know, uh, you know, my, she tells my that, my that bishop, you know, about me, what I've been doing. And he says, yes, I've been hearing about him, and I think I can help him. Now, I realized later, he didn't, he, he accepted me not to, because now she was like, put me in school, in the seminary. Did you know that you could get 50 to over $150,000 of investment capital at 0% interest rates to fund any business or investment that you want? That's right. You could quickly and easily access 50 to over 150000 Join like the, the, the seminarian to be a priest. But what he wanted was to investigate these powers. So he puts me in this school, in a seminary, and he is interested. I remember he could call priests and bishops just sit around me and like investigate 
and ask me questions, interview me about the powers, about the forces. And wait, I'm trying to understand. When you say the two cutest, so you were in seminary at, at 12. 12. And what, were you learning the Bible? Were you, so what kind of? Uh, I'm supposed to be like in a normal school because early in the early end of the seminary, you're like in a normal secondary school. Okay, a normal secondary school, but it's called a seminary. But it's run by what? The, the, the church. In yeah. So I, I am there and I thought I was now going to be a student, go learn about the Bible, learn about God, and become a priest. I realized now uh, they just—they were just interested in your power. Just interested in not even to educate me. They're interested in the powers. So most of the time, I am there from the age of twelve. Uh, the, that year, I'm there. I am living in the same house with a with a, with a, with a priest. With priest. And uh, every night they, they they come with books with what to ask me about the spirit world. So they ask me this and that and that, and I enjoy it. I enjoy being in charge. You know, all my life, I always enjoy like to be in charge, to control others. Like there was a deficit in me, and I would so I'm taking them out the powers. They are writing these. They are right like researchers. They are sitting around. And this is going on for what years? For years. For a year. So in all that time, you didn't learn anything about Jesus, about scriptures, but and you were in a Christian environment. In quotes. But I, but not learning about God. I'm learning. They actually. I'm not learning. They're you're teaching. You, you're teaching them. They're teaching them. So I remember at the end of the year, this bishop and uh, and another priest told me we have a scholarship for you. We are going to send you to Europe for for training as so well in me i thought okay i need it but we needed they told me they needed the consent of my father so my father that's the first time i'm seeing my father he came to the school to sign the papers sign my documentation because i was now going to be moved from uganda to go to europe and so wait bevin so you're 16 now no 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 I'm 13. You're still 13. Oh, you said four years later. No, okay. no, two years. Two years later. So, okay, 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 okay. So I'm 13, and now they tell me you have a scholarship to go and study in Europe. Now, for for the sake of uh, the sensitivity of this, I may not mention where. The, where. <laughs> but, uh, can, you can you tell us the country? I was in Italy. Italy, okay. So, Italy. so, so I'm sent to Italy for... Uh, at 13. At 13. Okay. And I'm going without my mother. I'm going alone. With a group of priests. I remember the two priests had, had, had come from Italy, they were sent from Italy to come uh, and uh, and investigate, interview me and, and make a recommendation. Like, So they asked me about the speed world, about these, about powers, about systems, and they're like, well, how did you know all this? You've never gone to school, you've never gone to a theology or to a, any university, but you, you know all the things about the speed realm, about history, about what? How? So they said, oh, we need to go with you. So they carried me. Now I leave. So the priest that came from Italy to investigate first, and then they took you with them. I go with them, and they, I, they come, they pick me up. We go through Rwanda, they picked another girl there. I don't know why, who had also strength powers. So we fly from Rwanda to, now we go through France. We stay there for some time. And that's when I discovered now I have been more being moved from the African witchcraft, the crude witchcraft. Now I'm being initiated into the occult. Okay, because you said that in the beginning that there's a difference between witchcraft and the occult. Can you just give us a basic definition of wh what's the difference? The, the occult is a system. Actually, it's Satanism, the alliance of 
those that subscribe to Satan. Most witchcraft is about people's traditions and cultures, things they do and what they learn. But now this one is literally the worship of Satan as a figure. They are, you know, in witchcraft about the spirits and the powers. But now then it's like a, a system, a religion. So when I went there, they am put in a religious house where what happened there is the worst experience I went through. Because to now to break my will, break my will a second time, I have to be exposed to death and sexual abuse. So I am trained in the occult, but for the last for the five years from thirteen to seventeen, eighteen, almost every day I am molested and sexually abused. Okay, this part this part you didn't share in the twenty seventeen testimony I heard. What? So by men, by, by priests. So like they have to do that to me. I, I've written this in my book. That the most because they they want to pluck out every aspect of me in the use. Wait, you saying every day, almost every, almost every day every for day. five five years. So you you during the day you are like a, what they call the altar bombs. You know you are like you put on. And this is in a religious Christian in quote environment environment. So during the day you are like a, a trainee being trained to be a priest. So you put on the gown, you attend mass, you do all this. Now, when you go back to the house, the what you call the brother's house, you are molested as a boy by these men. They abuse you, they do all kind of things to break you up. So my question is, with all the powers you had, did you, could you not use it against them? They're not. You could not, how come? Because Satan cannot destroy something. But then you could use the powers to destroy all the witches. And you are lower than these ones. Oh, were these in a higher ranking? These are in a higher ranking. Because now it's all about the witchcraft and what it's about now. The system, the sorcery system. Which rules the world. And they say, which controls all the powers of the world. It's more, not just a local witch somewhere. It's now a satanic system that controls the world. Wow. Okay. So that went on for all these years, and by the time you're what, 17? 17, 18, towards 18. Uh, towards 18, 19. What happened at that point when you finished? Actually, my finishing is uh, during the, those abuses of many years, I also got a mental breakdown. And I found, and they took me to a psychiatric hospital for six months. And then pumped drugs. This was in Italy? Yeah, and psychotic drugs every day in that I may be completely mad that I never recover. It's like a world like now you're gonna use your body but you're not in your senses. So the six months I'm in this hospital, like a psychiatric hospital, they are they are trying to access information without my will. Like they sedate you and begin to investigate ask you questions. So you are they're using you to access information but you're not in your but the pain you go through because like when they put you in this drug, like the antipsychotic drugs, they sedate you, and then also they're molesting you in that state, sexually molesting and abusing you in the hospital. And so all that we go, they're crushing your soul in order to use your soul to get information that they cannot access. So that's what happened for me all those years, the mental practice. So then after the six months in that hospital, in the mental hospital, 
they realize they have not broken my will completely. So now I'm, I'm a bit confused. Why why are they trying to because you already given them information, right? So what were you were they of the opinion you were holding some things back they wanted or uh, what I'm trying what what I've not say that sometime I written this in my book, sometime they, they discovered that there's a part of them they could not access. It's as if God was involved and sealed a part of my life that they knew there's something I know but they could not access it. So to do that they had to molest me, abuse me, sedate me, drugs, put me on drugs and everything in order to break me because there's a part they could not, they could say like uh, we have had different people who have been used but this one is a bit blocked somewhere. It, what I'm trying to say that uh, God in his power, in his ability, preserved me even when I didn't know him. There's there's a part of me that he kept sealed. Because if they had access that, maybe it would have been hard for me to come out. Yeah. So where are we? So we are towards 17, 18. Yes. You're coming towards the end of your time in this place. Oh, yeah, you're in the hospital. They're trying to break you some more with all these drugs and all these horrible things going on. Yeah, so, um, so they tried to break me and they could not. So they decided to break me back to Uganda now in that state so I return home and I go by like a normal child a normal young man like for six months and then, and then the two priests come back to Uganda to now from Italy from Italy again to what they came when they came to me now they came with love remember the first time this man came to me he said I want to be your father and that is what opened me up now when he said I want to be your father love you as a father. I am your father. The man said, I want to be your father. Now I had to reveal whatever. Like, I opened up all my senses. And then because I had opened up, so he takes me back. And then that's when he's in there, initiating me as a guardian master. Because I have openly accepted what they want. So it, took, it takes you back to Italy. Now, this time, willfully. Because okay. remember, before I was deceived, when I was young, I was taken by my mother. When I was taken to Italy, I went not, not knowing, so they could not break my will. So they bring me back. He comes to me this time, as and then he says, I want to be father. I remember Mr. Father. I want to love you. So he came with love. And at first, at that, for the first time, I felt accepted. Loved, accepted. And now, because he said, I want to be a father. I want to love you. I want to be this to you do this, you know, you're a good man. So I open up to him. Now he's embracing me as a father. and I'm, I'm, The baby in me is longing for a father. <laughs> so when he texts me, then he says, oh, you know what? Okay, now we're not forcing you. You're going to be a guardian master. So what does that mean in comparison to what you've been before? Was this obviously sounds like a higher... This, this, is, a, this is a higher level, but also now you are like a... You're not a servant. You're now a peer with them. Like now you've come into the ruling circle to decide. So the time you're going to be make your guardian master, you'll return to Africa. Because there are always like five in the entire continent. You're going to be part of this council of the guardian masters and you're going to do our work, our system. You're not going to be in the witchcraft. You're going to be normal. You're going to go to university. You're going to have money. You're going to have an organization. You're going to be, work with leaders in the nation, you're going to really work with them. So like, you're going to be like a representative of this system in your 
in, in your country, but in the, yeah, in the region. In the region. There's only about five in the whole of Africa. So, so I am I'm in charge of the Great Lakes region. I don't know, in charge of the Southern Africa, and Western, and Northern, and Sub-Saharan, all these these regions. So they, when they told me, okay, now you're not going to be a slave or a servant. Now you're you are one of us. You're a leader. You're a great man. All this. So they ordained me as a guardian master of that system. And they sent me back to Uganda to go and identify 5,000 young people and recruit them. Now, the young people I was to find it, the young people in universities. So I was to go and become a student in the university and identify bright students in medicine, in law, in education, and, and recruit them in Satanism from the university. So by the time they finish university, they already recruited. So they go in the, in the marketplace already. For example, this is a doctor, a surgeon, a lawyer, teacher. Oh, they're agents because they've already recruited and initiated. But, but initiated, very educated, so you cannot know. Like you can't say, this doctor is a witch or this lawyer is, is uh, an agent of witchcraft and all this. So my work was return to Uganda, go to the university, become a student there, identify such students, sponsor them, give them all they need, give them the best education, send them to different universities in the world, return to Uganda and take over the marketplace. So that was my work. Then another work was identify the, the churches, the men of God who are still not compromised break their powers, break their marriages, break their businesses, break their churches, destroy them. Because they were afraid. This specific aim was men of God. Yes. Men of God. They attack them, break their marriages, break their businesses, scatter them. There are specific ones, like this one, like this one, like this one. Like this. Especially men who were not compromised, but also, I have observed that men who were committed to prayer, not preaching prayer. Mm -hmm. Most of my attacks were on prayer ministries, mm -hmm. churches that were praying, that we were calling people to fast, to repentance, to holiness. So my work was raise these young people, young girls and young boys. While you're raising them, you're training them also to break churches, mm -hmm. to defile men of God, mm -hmm. to go into the churches. Sexual immorality. Sexual immorality. Yes. Take them in the, so kill the fire. Because as long as the fire, you've killed the fire of prayer, then we can control the territory. So I was at the university, and I'm doing that, uh, getting young people. How do I get them? Through parties, orgies, organized concerts. Orgies. Orgies. Yeah. Organized concerts, uh, what? Buy them what they need. Give them parties and what? Drink. Give them drugs. And because most of like in, Africa, in my country, most people are poor. Mm -hmm. So uh, when a child comes from a poor family, when you bring them like a car, mm -hmm. buying you a car, buying you an apartment to live there, you can use them whatever you want. You were doing all this because you were getting all the money from, I guess, your position? Yeah, because I, I remember at that time, uh, my budget, my annual budget was like uh, between five hundred and $600,000. A year? A year. You're talking about what, in the 90s? No, yeah, that is, that's late 90s. That's 96, 97, 98. So that's the money I was getting, because uh, through through uh, I could get all the money, but also that would bring the money. People in government, 
money launderers and all that could bring money to me because that's the, the only way they can stay in their do their trade if they submit to me the drug the dealers and what they could not because if they could be arrested by police but the police now would be part of my system part of my my, my people so for them to do all that they had to bring money so I had access to money to powers to people in authority so I could have all the means to defile to deceive target the young people especially the bright ones who are good and different so there's this child who is good he's bright he's clever but has no money he's coming from a poor family so he said only is a way to i'll pay you i'll pay tuition i'll pay your money i'll get you this and then they get so excited then later after they are they are they are, they are trapped into the money into the cars and say okay by the way what you've been getting comes from this one now you need now to be initiated mm. and some of them could not say no mm. you see and if they said no some of them die or get mad because they've already been initiated without them even by accepting the money by accepting the money by accepting the scenes and the, all the all the kind of immorality they get involved in but also some of them could create scandals around them like if you're a lecturer and we are scanned around you that uh, okay they trap you with a girl and then they film you yeah, and yeah, they yeah. get the scan into the papers and then you and then yeah, so in, at, the, job. at the lowest you're losing your job so we come with a solution we can stop this we can help you get back your job stop the media house from publishing your story so if you can do what yeah, you want yeah. <laughs> so so now you're i guess in your 20s now doing this yeah and you're like on the campus everyone knows your name you're feared by everyone you're openly a satanist people are and, scared and, of yeah, now i'm not hiding it now i'm doing satanism publicly on the campus what campus mccarran university so i'm doing it on different campuses i'm organizing parties i'm organizing uh, all these night parties and whatnot and i'm doing it public because i had the money i had the means that i could bring in a musician and international celebrities to come and have a concert and then pay for everything so like i was doing public a little bit so, so this kept going on for a while and then let's transition to the moment where things started to shift so can you or is there other things you want to fill in again okay, okay, that's okay, what I'm okay, okay. so while i'm doing that i'm enjoying it and i'm trying to progress well then in the year 1999 it was around uh, April, April, I think things were not working well. I felt, I felt like we are losing ground. This when you say we, you mean the grandmasters, the occultic, satanic, and yeah. the world? You see the confusion. Now, in in that, in, uh, in 1996, we were told, I was told with my people, to move away from Uganda and stay away for some time is this the one you told us earlier about the 70 days this is a different one okay now what happened a group of people a man of god uh, uh apostle john Mulini, and he had and his team mm -hmm. had gone into a prayer time for a longer time maybe more than a year of prayer and fasting and they had taken over the whole country and we could not operate there so i was told please move out until we get a strategy to disarm him and put his powers low so that for you to operate. So the, he had raised a prayer in the nation 
and that prayer had cast complete away all the altars of the kingdom of darkness. This was in 96. 96. By the way, in case you didn't catch them, it's John Melendez. And we know him here as well because he, so, he, he ran a powerful prayer ministry, or he still runs a powerful He had completely wiped out the altars. The altars. Complete. Because I remember I was told, please don't operate. Seize every action and stay away. So when we returned later in 1997, 98, things were not easy, but we're now their, their ministry. We had infiltrated their ministry, his ministry, and uh, broken the wall around him because his strength was about the protection around him. The people, not him as a man. Now, because of the people who are praying around him, praying for him, for him, praying for him, he could ascend in the spirit and become like an authority. So I feel that that's so strong. You could speak one word and you hear it echo for days. So by that time, we had to get all his tapes, listen to them. You had to listen to his tapes, listen to them and identify why is this man so powerful, so strong. Well, everyone he says, you feel like causes a vibration in the spirit. So like, you could literally be listening to his tape, but you're like, I don't know if we shall finish it. Now we're in the occult. We are listening. We are, we're trying to map his life. Then we're mapping his family, his background. his fa Then we realize the people around him, that every time he begins to preach, he's not the one preaching. They are the one preaching through him because he's connected in them. They prayed so much for him. They prayed so much around him that he picks whatever is in them. And when he... It, it amplifies. It amplifies. Yes. That's, that's why, like, the power of agreement. So, like, the whole team around him, there's so much in agreement that when he stands to speak, it's as if they're all of them speaking in one voice. So, and because of that, even if praise or just say one word, it could be like a, like, like a whole force and energy that goes through the entire realm. So, he was in charge of the realm. Not even saying, I buy and I break. No. He didn't no, say No. Actually, he didn't. All he was, well, someday he teaches. Someday he could be just teaching the Bible, sing with the people. You know? And what you're talking about is not that he was teaching with shouting. Because John Lin is a very calm teacher. But the words that carry so much weight in the spirit. He could teach, teach a Bible, like a, a truth. And then the people pick it. And then you could see like the whole atmosphere has been changed because of what is just talking to the people. Like, like I'm having a conversation with you. And as I will talk, the entire realm is charged. And now he is a principality over the nation. Him as a man, because of the network, because of actually because of the the wall around him. Now they had been building that for a long time before they got to that place. So uh by the people that were assigned, I was not among them. The people were assigned to go, were not to attack him, but to break the wall. Mm. To identify the thing that could cause to be offended. Identify things that could cause people to be offended around him. Around him. And then withdraw their protection, their, their prayer around him. Like, now, wait, get people offended or stir up circumstances that cause people to be offended so that they redraw their, I guess, their part in the wall. In the wall. And there's a break or a breach, and then you can access. Yeah. And, and so this man is in the center, and now the wall is breaking. 
people are living. People are being, like, are being taken away. And I want to say this to uh, people that are viewing or watching this, that sometimes the man of God, God has given you, he has the authority, but his authority depends on you who are around him, who are building. It's about the hedge around him. And if that hedge is broken, and they, before even they reach him, he has lost his position. Because in the realm of the spirit, it's about positions. Even we have positions of intercession. As an intercessor, you, are, you gain a position in the spirit to be a territorial intercessor. But that position, to remain there, to maintain that position, there must be people around you who God has called and assigned to be gatekeepers and watchmen, to watch over your life, to see that the enemy cannot reach you. Mm. That's powerful. Because for you, for example, you're leading, God has given you the call and the vision. But there are those that must build the walls around you. They must surround you. And, and when the enemy comes, must break these walls. And that's what happened to, 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 to this man of God, that the walls were broken. And when the walls were broken, what happened? So his authority, yeah, the influence in the nation he, has to drop. He has not sinned. He's not fallen in sin. The enemy has not even attacked him personally. But his influence has been low. So it was the result of that being the words that he was teaching did not carry the same level of weight. Wait. And it wasn't that his personal prayer life had gone down. Just the breach around him broken. Oh my goodness, Lord have mercy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when Jesus said, well, if 12 you on earth agree. So the, the, the power is, you speak the same words, but now they don't carry the same power. Like we call them power words. Like you can say Jesus, mm. and that happens. Mm. Another one says Jesus, and miracles happen. Mm. The same word, but from a different yes. place. So this man, the people around you, they hope that, like they become a wall around your consecration. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You see, and they know our assignment is not to compete with the man. Our assignment is to guard him, mm. and God has assigned us. This responsibility, and I want to say this, uh, James, that uh, many of us, many people today, men of God, have not fulfilled their destiny, not because they sinned, but because the men and the women that God assigned around them left their place. This they is left this was so strong. Yeah, and this many we may judge the man is not doing this, but as he was doing the work, he had to have a war around him, and the men and the women that God had brought around him instead they began competing to get the same platform. Mm. All they tried to want to create their own platforms. Okay, I, I want, I, I, this is really deep and really powerful. I, I want us to go back to the storyline. So this is 97 now. 96, yeah. So the influence of his voice over the nation is coming down and now you're able to function back in, the, in, in, in Uganda. And then what happens after that? So when I returned to Uganda after that, I've been functioned. 1999, I'm go I get a call. I'm summoned to go to Sicily's Island. Sicily Island is in, in, a, in the in Indian Ocean there, the city called Victoria. I call, I'm called that there's a conference. So I go in this conference and uh, all kind of every, all this power, these riches, these uh, occultic leader from all around the world. Like how many people are you talking about? Like a thousand. A thousand and more. So they're in this very big hotel in Victoria City, very expensive hotel. They are there for a conference. And then they tell me, well, in the region of this conference, we want 
is about your country. I said, why? And they say, you know, it's the year 1999, and we have to be in charge of all the highways. But there's a highway, the highway of the Nile, from Uganda to Egypt, through Syria to Israel. That's the highway in the book of Isaiah. That highway, that Isaiah 19 highway, we are not in charge. We have failed to take it. And the reason for take it is there's a people that have blocked that highway and they're taking over the entire, not only Uganda, but take over the nation, the world. I said, people say, yes, which people? They said, the people in your country say it is impossible. Everyone, every man of God in the country, I know them. The churches, I know them. The, everything I know them, they can't be. They said, yes, there's a people you can't see them because they are hidden in a realm of light. Oh, so that's why even you in the territory could not see, I could not see, you could not perceive their activities. The, the activities. But now those higher enough in, in the powers could see the effect of this group. So they tell me about, they say, there's a people, say with people. They, say, they tell me, there's a group of women, 20 women. And 20 women and one pastor. And one pastor, a young man, a pastor, and 20 illiterate women who have taken over Okay, now just pause a sec. For those of you listening, when I heard his testimony in 97, this is the part, including the part about John Melindy, this is the part that arrested me. So you want to listen carefully, especially those of you who are Christians who want to grow in the spirit, want to grow in prayer. Listen carefully to what he's about to share here. This is powerful. So there were 20 women and one pastor. So I, I, I am in this conference. Uh, and Sicily. Sicily. And they are, they, who is who in the world is there? The, the important guys, the, the riches. And they're telling me about a group in my country, which I do not know. And I could look, I could see in this conference, in this, in the, when you had small meetings, the confusion, the, the terror, the fear. I never seen this. You know, when we're in your cult, you, are, you show this kind of confidence, you're in charge. But in this meeting, like, they like men and women didn't know what to do. So they're telling me there's a group, 20 women and, 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 and a man. Then when they said, listen, what happened? Maybe people may not understand this. Then I am made, I'm made uh, beyond, uh, made, without my will, I am made now to begin to report what's going on in Uganda, which I don't know. So I begin to talk like I'm being taken over. And I'm now saying this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And suddenly, I measured the name of that pastor. Okay. So you've lost me. So basically, you are, a spirit is speaking through. A spirit is speaking through. Telling you the, telling the people, people the activity of what's going on in Uganda that you were not even aware. So you're pretty much, you know, a mouthpiece for a spirit. A mouthpiece for a spirit. And then, I measured the name of that pastor, his name, and the power went off in that building. Like, like the system shut down, and I could see. So, and now they look at me as a traitor. Now they think maybe I've come to destroy. I'm not aware of that. But then, then I'm saying, what came to my mind? I have no power. Why is it that when I mention that the name, you mentioned the name of the pastor, and the power went out. And then I realized, oh, this man for years had 
bread covered his name in the name of Jesus Christ. So you mention his name. It's as if it's the name of Jesus you mention him. That was like, you know, there are things that I used to see and kept wondering. Maybe there may be some power than the power we have. You know, I began doubting that meeting. First of all, I doubted when I measured the power and there was confusion and see demons all disappearing. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? So in my mind, I come. So I'm reporting, and they're telling me, about, so I'm reporting about the 20 women and one man. So now I'm not mentioning the name, say one man, 20 women. Now, what disturbed me at that moment? How could 20 illiterate old women be a, a threat to all the side powers and systems of the world? Mm. Like, I was, I'm telling, where, 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 okay. Then something comes in, they say, these 20 women and one man, they began a kind of prayer that the church or the Christians have never known. It has been hidden for generations, but these ones have picked it and they are practicing it. So this is all you're being told in this convention? This convention. What are they? Fries or rings or fries and rings, BK combo, so many things. I stop frozen drinks your way. What's the choice back in your day? BK, have it your way. They are doing what they call covenant prayer. So they had agreed, these women and their pastor, to start to pray for 90 days every day for six hours. From 3 p.m. From 3 p.m. To 9 p.m. 9 p.m. every day. And this was their covenant. That if they are doing 90 days, and maybe on day 80 or 85 or 89, one of them misses one minute, they have to start again. <laughs> so they had, that they had agreed that if any of them is sick, sick, or can't come to the meeting, or, if, late, or comes late, even if they're on day 80, 89, they will leave. They will reset and start from day one. So every one of them knew that that's how they were committed to this. And for 90 days. So let, let's just backtrack and talk about this pastor. So he, he somehow got this revelation. I can't tell how he got that revelation. But he called these women and they began praying. And, and they were praying three types of prayers, if I don't remember, if I remember correctly from what I heard you say some time ago. Prayers of repentance. Repentance. Prayers of worship. Worship. Prayers of warfare. Warfare. For six hours a day. Repentance. Worship. Warfare. Repentance. Worship. Warfare. Repentance. Worship. Warfare. Six hours every day without missing. So they're doing that. And in that conference I was in, I was told that when they began praying, now they were like, over 40 days. When they began praying, by the time now they're on that day, we're talking about them, 7,000 churches and pastors that had backslidden were now revived all over the world. All over the world. In Colombia, in, in, in Europe, in, in Japan, whatever. The 7,000 men and churches that had been 
brought low by us, the occult and their powers. Now suddenly, wherever they are, they could get, you could as if see like this church, this small group, was like a powerhouse, like sending power to revive. Now they would say, by that time there were 7,000, 7,000 that were now, who had backslidden are repenting. And, so every time they come to repent and worship and offer, one man from a different part of the world wakes up from a deep sleep. And, and, and the thing is, the church had no idea. Even they didn't know what they were doing. It's a, not even the city. It's like 20 miles away from the city. A local church, small one. You know, without even uh, tiles. Just a small place. So, But while they're there, ministers, churches in different parts of the world are being revived by their prayer. And this is something we should know on the, that even inspires me to pray. You never know. You don't know what's going, what goes on in the spirit when you begin to pray. And when you pray, consistently. You don't know if God is using your prayer to bring an awakening somewhere else. You have no idea what, especially when you're praying in the spirit. Maybe we shall meet in heaven. And maybe someone tells you you're revived. And say, when? When you, when you had that fast. Because this pastor, this pastor and the prayer women didn't know. Didn't know what they were doing. They're just doing it and doing it. But now in the occult, they could realize all these men that had backslidden that were not praying, suddenly they could wake up. And when they investigate, where, where are they, what is Terence reviving them? It would be located back, trace back to this place. So by the time you're in this convention, the church has gone past 40 days. And then they have 21, they have 20, by the time I returned, they had only 22 days remaining. 22 days to meet. Listen to this. So what I learned that they said, if they go on with their prayer until the 90 days, they are going to be in charge. We are we were not going to operate anywhere for the next 70 years. So, so in other words, they were generating power that could take a 70 years revival. And so if they reached day 90, their covenant, they would have they, they, they were able to capture, so to speak, the spirit realm and stop satanic activity for 70, 70 years according to how they these the leaders had mapped and said if they can continue like this and finish their covenant they are going to secure the gates of the spirit realm and stop satanic operation of the spirit realm for 70 years and so we can so they were telling me we have to do whatever it is to make sure they don't stop so this is where you're recruited. Now, by this point, have they sent all the people to try to break up this church? They've tried send, they've sent, actually they were telling me, many have been converted, all many are dead. Many have been converted. All others are dead. So after trying all the trusted ones, now they come to me and say, we know you can't do that, because for you, you don't have human feelings. You cannot be you, you can do this. So what? how much money do you need? What do you need? But you have to stop them because they have only 22 days remaining and you have to break it before they come to the last day so they tell me you are going back to your god not to attack these people because if you attack them you die not to fight them you fight them you die find a way how you can just interfere with their covenant not don't attack don't fight them find a way you can cause at least one of them to be out of covenant. And so you go back, you've been given some money to do this, to, to research. What I'm trying, let me 
service. This is very important because we have missed the point. How the spirit realm operates, especially the power of covenant. Many believers, we work together, we enchant, but we are not covenant. It doesn't matter how many hours you pray or how many you are, as, as, long, as long as you're not in covenant, it doesn't make any, any effect. If two only are in agreement, that's enough. You can be a thousand, but no covenant. Mm -hmm. And today, in the years of being in church, I've discovered people do not understand covenant living, mm -hmm. covenant lifestyle, even the covenant with God. Many Christians are not walking a covenant life. It's like, I'm a Christian, I go to church, as I feel, as I like. There's no valid covenant. And in the spirit realm, it's about the covenant. So this group, the 20 women, there are many pastors in the city, there are many in the nation, but these ones had a covenant and they were strong in that covenant. And the enemy, the devils and his agents, they attack covenant. That's why when you rise to pray, to serve the Lord, to take on the territory, the first attack will be on your marriage. You break the covenant. Because the enemy knows the only thing that gives you power is your covenant life. So it breaks your marriage, you are out of covenant with your wife, your marriage breaks, then you've lost the power. Even in church, you break covenant, you don't argue with your so, so for those that are not married, but are not in a covenant relationship like as like marriage, covenant could be in a context of relationships. As in how you relate with your brothers and your sisters in, in faith. In faith, yes. And you know, the enemy will come and break that covenant. And then you scatter. Then you go and start another church or you start another ministry. This is, this goes back to the whole thing of, it was in 95 or 96 with John Mulindy. And what was surrounding him was that covenant, well, that, that covenant relationship was what was, was empowering his ministry. So it doesn't matter how powerful you are as a lone ranger intercessor. If there are not covenant relationships around you, it actually affects your effectiveness, or you're not going to be able to be effective. Man is a spirit, and spirits never work in isolation. That's a principle of the spirit. No spirit works, even God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. That's a principle. So you can't be alone intercessor mm. work. You must be connected to others. That's a covenant. That's why even God, when he's working with us, came to Abraham and said, this is my covenant with you. After 20 years of work with Abraham, he returns and said, by the way, you cannot go on this. But the Lord tells Abraham, walk before me and be blameless. Yes. And this is my covenant with you because of the covenant. So this, uh, I'll talk about the pastor and, and these women. The women. So they have a covenant. And I'm told, when you go, how much money do you need? I say, okay. They give me the money. They need it, half a million dollars. And then they say, you can, you can access... Uh, around 300,000 to use in the operation of only 21 days if you need it back. And they said, but don't, don't attack. Don't fight because you will die or you'll be converted. I did not attack. I did not fight. But whatever I did, I end up being converted. <laughs> that was the meeting that, that caused you to be converted. However, you did succeed. He did succeed in breaking that church's prayer meeting. And the way he did it would blow your mind. So you need to listen to this. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. So when I, when I returned home, uh, one, in that meeting, I was given, we were given books, big books, that had been written about 
each member of that group. What? Books about their background, their weaknesses, their history, their families. In order to read them, to know at least find out what is the pattern in their background, which we can use at least against one. What the, so like they investigated their families, their, their, their foundations. You were given books of research for each person in the yeah, whole group. The young man, the pastor. The book, what, what the book I was given was 500 pages about him. Generation, like 10 generations behind him. To know, to read and say, read this and find out what are the patterns. What are the 10 generations and See, so sometimes when we teach, we say, you know, the Bible says the enemy runs to and fro. He also runs up and down generational lines. Find then any little ground. 500 pages. So I had to read and, and see patterns in the ancestors, in his life, and all this and this. So that we can know, okay, if these patterns are there, legal rights that we can use against him. Are there things I can use against him? Or on among the members so one of them one of the lady who was the like the one who could see the spirit had a, an issue so the covenant had an issue of unforgiveness mm. she was bitter towards her mother and i remember when we were there to say okay this one will be a gate let's try this one let's don't attack let's go and see if we can use this bitterness to break their covenant because this we can trace there's been in the generation and her and the mother are not okay. Mm. So that she's bitter towards the mother. Mm. And by the way, the mother was dead by that time. But she mother died when this intercessor, who is a seer, remained wounded. So the woundedness and the bitterness, after this day we realized, okay, I think we can let's try. So I returned to Uganda. I called my trusted girls. I had girls that I used to work with. I said, we have this assignment. If we win this, all of us are going to be elevated worldwide. We're going to take titles. We're going to become like grandmasters if we win. But if we fail, for me, if, I, if you fail, the sacrifice will take from you will be your mother. So I, they say, either you lose your mother or you win this battle. I had that attachment, though my mother sort of said, okay, your mother. And each one of them had to, to give, to offer a relative, with a father, a brother, someone that if you fail, that one will die. You were sent back, so you're saying each of the people in the team you gathered had to offer a relative as well. Yes. So, that's <laughs> so I, I return, I sit with them and get a strategy. After I'm reading them, say, okay, we're going to try. Two of you will try to go and join, not attack and join. If they allow you to join, they have broken the covenant. And was this is the other thing? Was part of their covenant that no one would join them? No one joined them. They said we have agreed, the twelve of us and our pastor, to fast and pray the six hours every day for ninety days. That was the covenant. So my assignment, I said, okay, when I return, I talked to, talk to them. For me, I was to go somewhere under the sky and sit there and they enchant day and night for all the days. 
of the 21 where they are not mission so i was not going to see any human being or eat or be under a roof but sit under an open sky and keep enchanting and chanting, speaking curses and curses curses over each member of the group yes yes but not mentioning their name but just sending them you never know that one may land because the curse without cause does not allow it so just send thousands that was my assignment now the guy one of the girls had to go and try to join so you go, you go if they allow you to join now we know we can break the covenant so we bought her a new car gave her some money to go and join the church so he comes to the church the first day comes and comes to the young man the pastor and says i feel god is telling me to come and join you so the pastor is about to discern then the lady who is offended by the seer comes to tell the pastor wait i sense that person can't is not the right of god then this girl tells her but you know why are you chasing me away but by the way you talk like you're mad <laughs> she's just poked at that wound oh my goodness lord and the moment said that she just went into the flesh the flesh listen we all need to repent right now <laughs> so the moment she went in the flesh she exploded. now the moment she's in the anger don't talk like you were witch the curse is landed and they, oh, all of them now are under that curse so she exposed all the people so so wait 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 just need to breathe for a moment <laughs> because i don't know about you watching but there's times i've responded in the flesh <laughs> because the flesh is the open door for the enemy to shut down things of the spirit my goodness it's, it's, it's what when i do the training for the inner six that's what i said the flesh anger unhealed wounds wounds issues unresolved and you wanted to see revival you went you have to come back this they're going high the spirit but there's this unresolved issue and I'm wondering why they ignored it. They didn't want to. They were so. I, I kept wondering even right now. Why do they discern these wounds to deal with as they are going to? They are going to this assignment. Why? Are, why not deal with it? Because it was so simple. What? And I said, wait a minute. When this girl came in and now offended her, she answered and abused remember even in the in the book of jude when you say even maya could not bring insults when they were contending for the blood of moses so she insulted this guy and now the mother thousands of castles flying around now when when he insulted the pastor the young man because he was young this one old he looked at this guy as a peer like god has answered my prayer has brought someone who speaks the same language wait what did she say to him apart from god has called me to join the group so so he just felt like she was part of them he didn't discern where she was coming from because she was the seer of the group and he didn't have the discernment at that moment and she was probably about to warn him and then she poked at her wound and then she was in the flesh and then the curse landed and then now what happened <laughs> now so when the remember she's offended now they were fake so the, the young man because could not listen to her the pastor 
like in like trying to to mend things don't don't be so hard on someone said okay it's okay you can sit around let's finish praying and i'll talk to you and the other one is angry because now i've offended her now now remember the, the, the cover the, the coven and the bridge the bridge and so after the, the meeting they prayed they prayed like lucy's there and then the time of offering came and she gave like a a thousand, five thousand, five hundred thousand, like half a million Ugandan shillings. Okay, and that's 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 the kind of money they've never seen before. Now in this place, like they're offering like one dollar, and someone is giving like, like like two hundred dollars. And now, like the the pastor, like, but I had told her when I was reading the life of this pastor, they had issues with money. The pastor had some some. Struggles with finances. Finances. So it was something used to poverty. Poverty. So even in his messages, you could hear, though he was speaking against money, but he loved it. Like you could say, money bad, you know. Someone, you speak against something, but the deep inside you could tell is because he fears it. He has issues with it. So we knew if we can introduce money, we see how he will respond. So this girl gave 500,000. You know, remember she has come with a new car, and you know, some people in that part of the world are kind something big. So he receives the money. So the covenant is not just broken, she's now got a foothold. A foothold because of the money. And now the rest of the team are like saying, But God told us not to, not to take it again. So, like, no, 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 God has blessed us. So there's that disagreement because of the money. She leaves. She comes to me and say, They've received the money. And I told her, As long as they've received the money, now we need to interfere with their worship because mm. now we have they can't reject him so she goes the second day and then she comes with a friend another girl who is they introduced the pastor you know pastor this is my friend she also wants to join now the pastor has forgotten the covenant now he's seeing like growth god is bringing new members and so you know she's she's a worshiper can you let her join and leading two songs in the moment she came on the altar to the lead a song or into the altar we knew we had overcome it well now there was another side you also attacked i'm coming okay 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 because okay, okay, i want you to because that's the one i remember vividly okay okay you're gonna come to that with his daughter so the pastor now the next he was still with them but we knew we had to separate him from the, the group and how could we separate him? We had to make sure his sensitivity in the spirit is low. Now, where was he getting his sensitivity? Every morning, he would have a morning time to pray and go through healing, like morning devotion. That was what made him strong every day. So I was telling Michael, look, now if we have to find a way of interfering with his quiet time, because that's where he has the strength. If we can interfere with there's a covenant with the people, but there's a personal covenant with God because of the quiet time. So we had to interfere with his sleep and how was it to be done. We realized he was in covenant with his people, but he had a daughter who was not in covenant. And he had gotten that daughter before he was born again. So it was like a single father living with the daughter. So we realized the attack should not be on him because we were warned, don't attack him. Don't touch him. Because if you touch him, you're finished. But now pull him away from the covenant. So the attack was to project uh, eczema 
eczema, skin disease, skin disease, daughter to the daughter, that in the night he cannot sleep, he's taking care of the daughter. So the daughter cries through the night and is crying and crying and crying. Then he's taking care of the daughter. By morning, the morning time, he's tired. He's tired, he can't have his devotion. He can't have devotion because of the child. And now, going to the prayer meeting. He's going to the prayer meeting. He comes to the prayer meeting and uh, remember he needs money now to take the child to hospital. Mm. And now the money he's going to use is what the girls as, as given. Are, are, are giving him. And then one of the girls offer to take the child to the clinic, to the hospital for treatment. And then put more spells on the child. Gosh. Because now he has surrendered his child to her. Then the, in this other one, we argue, you know, this man has power, still has power. We need to separate him from the core team. So this girl suggests the pastor, I feel like I need to buy you a house. <laughs> so at this point, were they all living in community? Yeah, in the community, together, living like in one place. Oh, so they, oh, because that's why they could mean the way they were doing it. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So, so they now want to move him away from the from the river we have come in we've defiled the covenant but they're still keeping it you defiled the covenant you polluted the altar you are now separating the pastor by attacking his daughter and so his discernment is actually now law he cannot discern what's going on at the time tired and so now the next is how can we interfere with his time so that he can not come in time on the altar that's the last block because all these are done but he still keeps the time so like a way has the sense of heaven. So it's like buy him a house and far from the place of prayer. Mm. So this guy says, Well, I'm buying you a house. Oh, he's excited. So he buys him a house, like tells him about a house, furnish it. And now furnish it with defiled food. Mm. Like they could put their blood and their what in the juices and what. So he comes to, to this house. Everything is furnished, they're free and everything. So he drinks this juice, he takes all this, he takes all this. So he's being defiled in the body. But also, he's away from the team who can warn him. And what was the purpose of that is to cause him to delay. Because remember, one of the girls is driving him. He's now the, the, the driver. So she makes sure she goes. Because he couldn't drive. He couldn't drive. He <laughs> see the strategy it's so thought through so see as you are hearing this as people are hearing this i hope you're seeing how the enemy is so strategic and, is detailed. and the church they had no idea the power they were generating the spirit they had no idea the impact they were having so this was just like i guess because of the areas of um I guess uh, vulnerability in him he was open to this attack of the enemy with the money and all this i mean th there's so many lessons in this and and, uh, and actually as, as i said there are many lessons and as if god has given an assignment with some with people watch those people but also seek the lord if there is anything in you that may be used against you mm. that's why david said in psalm 139 see if there's any wicked way in me that's such an important thing to pray regularly it's like cleansing exposing removing all those wounds all those open doors and you know today people are saying well what's born again forever born again you don't need to go through cleansing and i look at them saying look you don't know because i was in the and i know how the great fail the mighty fail what what happened to them those minor the minor things you think they don't count 
You see, even even the 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 friends God has brought in your life to raise the ministry together can be used against you if you do not watch over them. You hurt them, they hurt you. Good question as well. You know, you said something about he was his daughter was not in the covenant. In hindsight, what should he have done to have his daughter in the covenant? It, during the time of prayer, like when he was arguing with his people, he had to bring and say, Okay, Lord, we also commit and dedicate this child to you during this time. Like you go into a prayer season time, but you don't you don't bring your family into that. Your wife, you just go, oh, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to the mountain. I'm going to, to the prayer place to seek the Lord. But you forget that the enemy is going now to go home and use your wife or your child to access. So either they should have, she should have been part of the covenant or he should have been covering her in prayer during the covenant prayer. Okay. So he was supposed to do that, but he did not. Maybe he did. And I think that, <clears throat> I want to say this. One of the things that we observed in this past, he was doing all this. But he was not under spiritual authority. Ah, that's a huge one. So, so he had no covering, and we could use that. He had no father over his life mm. to watch over him and protect him. So there was no apostolic authority covering him, and he was doing such a great work. And that's one thing I have learned to warn people and train. And I'm training people. Look, however much God has called you, you need an authority to cover you. Hmm. You, and I realized he was not in it. Because if, if there was other men and women over his life, they would have discerned and warned him. Mm. Remember, in this group, he was the head and the alpha, the obeka. <laughs> so no, no one could be over. These ones under him could not now say, we are we're, we're getting off track. Now, because they could not, that would have been the, the role of a spiritual father. To warn and say, wait, I have seen the spirit, something is happening, but no one was there. So he's being driven away from the from the altar. Isolated. Isolated. And that's another trick people should should learn. One of the things the enemy will do is to isolate you from your team. Mm. You know, and isolate you from the men and women that pray for you. You become so busy, also executive. You know, they used to pray with you, sing God together, that is so huge and big. Yeah. And now, even your inner sister to see you, they need appointment. They can't assist you. You're a great man. You are all over the world. You're all over the nations. So you become a big guy. And so the enemies are isolating you from the people who pray for you and the people who love you, people who walk with you. Mm. You know, because there are those people that we start ministry with who love us without it. And then this will come later. And you say, you know, the ministry has grown. You people. We are becoming so advanced. We need now business plan, business strategy. You throw away the men and the women that raised you, and they are wounded. Mm. They are hurt. They complain. They grumble. And that has been happening in many ministries. So, the pastor is isolated. He's polluted. Altar is polluted. The congregation is fragmented because of the uh, agents that have been sent in. So what happens next? So next, what happened in this story? That uh, now, towards, actually it was on the 20th, now I'm showing you how strong this covenant was. Amidst all the defilement, they still, they're still, there was still some bit of authority. So on the 20th day, they come to China. Now, by the way, when you say 20th day, 20th from the time we came in. Okay, okay. So this is now a few days to 90. 
two days. Two days tonight. Two days tonight. Two days. And now by that time, four other, two other girls have joined in the fellowship. There are now four of us, of us in this fellowship. But they are not attacking. But now the man of God is polluted. The altar is polluted. The team is grumbling. But we want, so on that 20th day, uh, just two days to the covenant, they come to this fellowship. And I think this lady could not stand it. He raises a, a question in the midst of the summer. He said, Pastor, all these people here, they are doing this. We, we, we are bringing the covenant like shouting. And then, because it's already filed, he answers her by, with a curse. Because what the enemy, what, what we need is the man of God to be incited to curse his people. Because that was the final blow. If, if, he, if he was defiled, but he was kept going, but he needed now to curse the covenant. It's like an enemy incited to curse your wife, or curse your child, or curse your team. So when you say curse his people, without saying what he said, can you just give us an idea of what you mean by curse? Because he could have just answered it angry that how dare you speak to me in that way. That, that's not curse. I'll kill you. Oh, you will die. If he said that. Yes, you don't touch me. You will die. You will die. And all of you can die. Don't touch. Like, then pride. Pride now. Pride now. Now, instead of the, the ladies, now she's saying, speak a curse to a wounded soul. Now, in the woundedness and all that, she comes to attack him. As in what? Physically. Ow. In the, oh, no. You see? Oh, no. And, and as he comes to attack, now, the other members of the group are also divided. You know why they're divided? Some of them, they have already saved money from these girls to go and start small businesses. So, they're part of a, a group is... They're defiled, basically. They're contaminated. So, in that attack comes to attack, the pastor attacks back, and the other groups attack, and there's confusion. It's so fine. And that's the end of the prayer meeting. <laughs> that's the oh, end of the oh, prayer meeting. Oh, 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 so no. they could not come the second day, because after the fight, you cannot come back together. Someone is bleeding, and I don't, then I get a call and say, withdraw. The lines are open. The highway is open. We, we have broken. So, withdraw. So, I return to my place, so excited. You know, every time I share this, my wife wants to stone me. <laughs> Because she says, you stopped a revival. You stopped it. <laughs> but so, it ends there. They could not finish it. And only one day. Only one day. To, to the covenant. Only. Now, if, let's, if, if they go to 90, it might not have had the same impact because of the defilements they, they're ready. Right. But if they, at least, they, they leap to, like, <laughs> the finish line. The finishing line. Like, if they had not fought that day and they could come the next day, even in the, that pain, if they had, like, say, okay, we are fallen, let's repent, we are under attack. Mm. Forgive me, forgive me. Yeah. We have a covenant. Yeah. I'm sorry. Repentance could have undone a lot of things. Oh my goodness. Repentance, people, repentance. <laughs> you get it? If that moment, they have, they'll say, sister, we have one day. Okay, you humility, repentance, brokenness. You see, uh, you know, I've, you scratched me, I've done all this, I've cast you, but let's repent. Let's forgive each other. Let's finish the covenant. But it was still going on. They were only remaining. The next day they didn't come. They were so offended, so offended. And they were like, forward, pass, like, forward. 
Okay, so, so let, let's move on. So now you've broken this covenant, you're successful, you're summoned back again. No, no, no. Oh, wait, what happened? Uh, I returned to where I was staying Yeah. with my team. They've got their homes. Because the next day I'm traveling to Rome, to Italy. So this is the 90th or the 91st? The 91st day. 91st day, yeah. I'm traveling to that place for ordination and appreciation. Because I've finished the work. They had been promised all this kind of money, powers, authority, and all that. So I have to travel the next day to go and receive my reward. Mm -hmm. Now, that day where I was going, the plan was that if I arrived there, they would sacrifice me and kill me and share my flesh. Because they say I was carrying now energy that they, each one of them needed in their bodies. So after serving Satan all my life, from day one to 24, the reward of serving him was to kill me. So you were 24 at this point? I was now 24. So I'm 24, and what they want is to, to kill you. Now, just for those watching, because I know this part of the story, the way you knew this was their plan later, later was some people that were in that meeting that planned to kill you eventually got saved, and years later told you what they would have done to you. Okay, so carry on, tell us the rest of the story. Now, now I don't know. I'm planning to travel. Yes, you're planning to travel. Yes. Then the Lord Jesus goes to a young lady, a student, and tells her to come and preach to me. Now, that lady, that young girl, she was 19 years by the time. She was in the same course at the university with my sister. Mm. So she knew everything about me. Mm. She knew how wicked I was. So the Lord tells her, Tomorrow, go preach to that boy. But, and the girl tells the Lord Jesus, Father, send a bishop, send an apostle, send a pastor. I can't, that boy is wicked. Even the wicked call him wicked. And she says, the Lord told her, the great, the, the least in my kingdom is greater than the greatest in the kingdom of darkness. That's what the Lord told her. And with that, so she said in her mind, okay, let me, I will go. But I will go very early in the morning at 7 a.m. I will walk around, then come and tell the Lord, I have not found. Walk around your, where you live. Yeah, I, I was at the university. Okay. So she knew where I was staying, in my hall of residence. So for her, she was like, no student can be awake at 7 a.m. No one. 7 a.m., no. So she knew I could not be, because there's no way in my life could be awake at 7 a.m. So she woke up at 7 a.m. to just pretend she's coming to preach to me. Walk around. As an artist of faith, my creativity and spirituality are integral to my identity. But I'm caught between two worlds. Luckily, I found Be, Make, Do. And I'm ready to be who I was created to be. Back and tell the Lord, I obey, but I've not found him. That was her plan, she tells me. Now, that morning, I am leaving to go to the airport pick a flight to Italy that morning, 7 a.m. So as I come out of my room, she meets me out of my place. So she says, oh my God, I'm finished. <laughs> so in her heart, she says, ah, let me first go back and pray. I'll preach to him later. So I pass her. Now, as I pass her, she says, the Lord told her, call him. So I pass, she says, James, 
I didn't answer back because no one dared call me that name. I was called Master, including my lecturers. Everyone called me Master. Master James. Master James. Master, just Master. Master. Yeah. Master. Uh, even the people in police and government all called me Master. So I looked at this girl calling me James, but she could not call me Master because she had a Master. Mm. Jesus. <laughs> so I kept walking. She called again, James. She called a third time, James. Now, I know in the laws of the occult, if you are challenged thrice and you don't respond, you've been defeated. So in my mind, I said, but let, I'm going somewhere, let me punish her. So I was, and there, in anger, I feel, so she had the ability to bring me to the point of anger by just calling me. Now, that's very important. Because at the point of anger, you had zero your power. You lost authority when you get angry. So in those in the kingdom of darkness, no. Anyone who has the ability to bring the place of anger has disarmed you. So I, I had forgotten that at that point because I felt anger. I would have remained calm and confident and move on on my work. But now, because I felt the pride in me, you know, they are so proud. So I felt like she is challenging me and I felt angry. So in my mind, I'm, I'm like, what can I do? I, can I kill her here? Or can I blind her? Oh, can I make her mad? And I could do that in a few minutes, just a second, a few seconds. I've ever done that in several lives. So I knew I could turn to her, project into her eyes, and make her mad. Mm. So I said, okay, let me make her mad. She's going to undress, walk naked through campus until I return. So I turned to her to do that in my mind. And then when I looked at her eyes, to project to her eyes, flashes of light, bolts of light were coming from her eyes and were hitting me. Pew, like flights. I said, what have I seen? I look at the guy again. I'm hit. Then, I look, then I'm saying, what kind of person is this? I found many thousands. Bishops, pastors. What kind of this? So I look at her another time. Pew, like, and every time that flash hits me, the powers disappear. She hits me the part, and she's not saying a word, just looking at me. Then I knew. Now it's battle. Now it's battle. It's battle. <laughs> because I never encountered such kind of power. Mm. I never seen. And what kind of girl was this? I just thought it was just a young lady. So I really now had to summon support, project and call witches and wizards in the territory. All those are like my Right there on the spot, you are communicating to witches and witches all around. So summoning their powers. Summoning their powers to come and help me. So in just a few minutes, 600 of them are around. She cannot see them, but they are now around. They are invisible to her. But me, I know I have 600, an army of 600. So what I need to do now is that all of the 600 form together and attack her at once. In, in that 600 forces join into one. So I have to be bold enough to look at her one more time and then project, then all the 600 can attack. Mm. So she's standing there, and the Lord just told her, she told me later, the Lord told her, be still and know that I'm God. And then the Lord told her, be calm. So in all this, I'm closing my eyes, I'm looking at her, she maintains a smile. Wow. It's like the smile that's like saying, I'm in charge. And she's just looking at me. So I look at her. 
and now I want the 600 to come at her, to attack her. And where she's standing, I'm, I'm not seeing her. I'm just seeing a pillar of light connecting into heaven. Wow. In a place. And then I look at the pillar of light. A man, now I miss Jesus, is looking at me. Wow. Just look at me. Now, the moment his eyes touched my eyes, I saw the 600 taking off in 600 direction, screaming and running, including Lucifer himself. He was present. I didn't know that time. They were, like I could see. And she's not, she not I'm just saying all these demons from childhood are living instantly just by a look. You know, there's this thing people say that there's a wrestle in between Jesus and Satan. It's impossible. Satan and his demons cannot fight when yeah. Jesus appears. They, no, he can't. Yeah, yeah. They can't. There's like, you know, people, oh, the devil is attacking Jesus. It's impossible. It can't. It can't. Why? Every knee bows and every tongue. So when he appears, Satan cannot put up a fight. There's no wrestling between the two. He has to run away. He has to, and he, I don't know where he goes, but he has to go because I saw that moment. He just looked at me. No wrestling, no fight, no shouting, no like fire and what. Just looked at me in that pillar of light. And everything. They were disarmed. Disarmed. It fell on the floor. So I'm, I'm standing. Oh, you're standing. Okay. I'm standing. So I, I got my eyes closed because now for the first time, I'm demonless. No demon, no spirit on me. I'm like human. Mm. So I opened my eyes to look at him and say, what kind of person is this? Now, when I open my eyes another time, the pillar is not there. The man is not there. The girl is standing there. Mm. You get what I'm about? <laughs> so, and now, I just know I'm disarmed. Mm. I'm in fear for the first time in my life because I don't have a spirit. I look at her and then the Lord tells her, go to him. She begins to walk towards me and every step she takes, it's like an earthquake. I could feel the ground. She, like the Lord is causing me to know who she is in the spirit. She's a giant. So she's moving and the ground is shaking. The foundation is shaking. Steps. And she comes near me. And I cannot run away because I've been now arrested. I've been arrested. I can't. My feet are bound. I can't run away. And I'm in fear. I don't know what she's going to do to me. So she looks at me. And then she gives me a hug. That was my first hug in life what? at 24. I never been hugged. So she hugs me and she says, James, Jesus loves you. And you don't know what that word did to me. I felt like all my faculties were being formed. Like I, for the first time in life, I cried. That was the first time I cried. The first time you cried. At I cried at 24. So she gives me this hug and I begin crying and she begin crying. But the cry is like a baby and a mother getting back a baby. So she's holding me tight and I'm crying like a baby. And she's also crying. And I don't know what's going on. But during the cry, there's love. There's all my emotions are being revived. It's like I'm becoming human the first time. So she's hugging me. And then after minutes of crying and crying, then by the time some other students are gathering around us. And they're wondering what's going on. And, and they're saying, 
this is a witch we know him this is a believer christian and they are hugging and they are crying so they wonder who is capturing who's conversing who who's converting who? and so they're forming a sack around me oh my word so after the, the cry crying then she says james what do you want then i remember i told her Then she tells me, talk to him, tell him. So I said, Jesus, I want to serve you. I don't know why I said, I want, I want to serve you. So she led me in the prayer of confession. And it was, it was 7.45 a.m. 7.45 a.m. 3rd September. 3rd September. 7.45 a.m. I can't remember the time. I can't forget the time and the moment. Because now it's two, over 24 years. But it's as if it happened yesterday so real that that experience of of coming from the dead now what i want to say the devil used me and wanted to destroy me i was fighting jesus but he loved us wanted to save me look at that love that even when i was his enemy he still gave me a chance he still loved me even when i was his enemy i deserved death even to the devil i was serving i deserved death but jesus loved me to the extent that he said i can give you a chance i want us to touch on two things because i want us to capture as much as we can tell us about this girl because she was a, a unique person and she started training you in the spirit and apparently you said god used it to capture many other people and some of the things you were saying that you used to do like 12 to 12 but 12 hours of prayer and it was it face face but face before the lord anyway tell us about this lady just briefly before we move on so uh that day uh, let me go back to that day after i gave my life to jesus christ that day she 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 took me to where i was staying she, and uh, and a few friends they came by prayed for me and uh, i slept i slept for 48 hours you slept for 48 hours sleeping. Because you probably never slept in that way before ever your whole life. Oh, I could not sleep an hour a night all my life from childhood. The, the, the longer I could sleep was an hour all my life because I was in pain all my time. So I could sleep just one hour in a night. Now that day, when they, after, after they took me back to the, my room, and they were sitting there praying and then I went into a deep sleep, 48 hours. So while you were sleeping, they were praying, but not necessarily for the whole 48 hours, because no, 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 they were around, like watching over me, because I was deep asleep. I don't know what happened during that sleep. So when I woke up, and uh, I woke up, so I began, they pray for me and all, all that. That same week, all my companies were closed. I had companies. I had a, two homes, they caught fire. Oh, you mean all your companies were closed, like, without your doing? They just shut down? Government. The government, because they were obviously in, the, you know, league with all these yes. sorcerers and all that. Yeah. My house caught fire, the companies were closed. And then, like, after uh, three, four, one month, I was arrested and taken to prison for, the, they were charging for money laundering. But when I'm there, all these agents, the government and other come into me and say, you can't leave us. You can't leave. You're going to, we're going to see that. Like they are, so they began torturing me in order to renounce your God. allegiance with Jesus. Jesus. Then go back to the workout. Mm -hmm. 
And so I am in prison. I, I spent six months in the prison. What? In a, in a, in, they call them safe houses, not going, not taken to court, but in a room without light for six months. I'm there. And they're torturing me, they're beating me, they're doing all this kind of thing to renounce it and return. But I could not. And suddenly, that girl, God told her where I was. So they ended prayer and fasting. When there was a change of system in the government, and they got a new uh, a commander who was leading the police, and said they closed all the same houses where they're keeping prisoners. But now me, they left me in that house alone, in that cell. So this girl comes, and God shows her where I am. They get me. I've been malnourished for six months, almost dying. Get me out of that cell, take me to her place, and begin our discipling me. The kind of discipleship. So this is the bit that I heard you talk about, the type of this. Go on, tell us. So she, one thing that she told me, all they told me, was that unless you read the Bible. So I remember I could read the Bible from day to evening, every day, read the Bible. So they told me about the Bible. Three of them, one was to teach me the Bible. One was to see that I eat. The other one was to see that uh, trains me. So for this one, this one. The one who led to Christ, her work was to teach me prayer, to disciple me like prayer. So she could, we used to have like a, a room where I could meet to pray and could pray for 12 hours. And how often did she do that? Every weekend. Every weekend she'd do a 12 hour prayer straight. But then there are other more days because oh, I call you for a three. Now, this kind of prayer was not the, the prayer we pray in church. For example, I could cause you to pray for 12 hours. I said, what, on your face before God? Is it worship? Is it praying in tongues? Is it praying in tongues, worship? And she could not even allow us to drink water for the 12 hours. But she could be with a can of water and just come to you, gives you half the cup, drink, then pray. And by this time, were you filled with the Holy Spirit praying in tongues or not yet? I'm, I'm not. I, I, I've not been filled by the Holy Spirit. I thought I was filled later. Later, and I was alone when I was... When I received the, 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 the so are you praying for 12 hours? What were you praying? <laughs> Let me pray. Listen to what I'm going to say. This girl in that fellowship, when she would call us for that vigil, and she would tell us, pray, like pray and pray, and then say, we are praying for a certain person who is in the occult. Then she could leave us praying. Then God sends her to that person. Then she comes with that person. Wow. And the, those people who could come, Sometimes they would find me and say, Master, what are you doing here? And I tell them, what has brought you is what brought me. So her assignment was to intercede for hours and hours for the point in the occult. And I saw almost that of us who she captured and brought the fellowship. Now, by the time she first kind of got used her to reach you, at that point, she was already doing this. I was the first. You were the first. Right. And from that time, the Lord was training her how to deal with sad people. Because like, oh, there were many in the nation. So, like, God had been training her to intercede, to pray, to be before the Lord for a longer time of prayer, like, engage in the spirit until, so she could engage for hours and for days. And then thereafter, God tells her, I will go for that one. Mm. Like now for me, like you did. So she could go and find a person, minister to him, get him, bring him in the fellowship. And so we realized the ceremony. We're like third of us. Thirty. Yes. And like like twenty, let me say. Twenty-three of us are now ministers. Who she 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 brought in. And you're still connected to some yes. of them right now. Yeah. yeah. Twenty-three of them they have churches, them them 
Okay, we are ministers, not just pastor and church and leader, whatever. Who she, as one person, raised, raised. And it was the capture them, train them in correct. Once we are, we are older than her. She was the youngest. Because Mia was 24 when she was 19. I remember asking you, where is she right now? And you said she's going to be with the Lord. Yes, she's going to be with the Lord. Wow. After her assignment. So she died young. She, she died young. Actually, she died, you know, and the Lord told her to prepare. And she told us, I'm going, I've finished my assignment. And I thought she was a joke. But then she didn't get sick. She, she went to prayer, slept, and the next day she was home. After her assignment. Because she, the Lord told her, you raised this man. We are all men who are from the occult deep. They are going to do my work. You've finished your work. Wow. And she went to be with me. She prayed when he sleep, and that was it. Wow. But, but all of us that she, she brought, we are standing in the Lord. We all of What a testimony. What a testimony. Okay. okay. The, like my ministry and other 23 others, which I know others, but the 23 pastors, they're doing the work of the Lord, and they're all testifying the same testimony I have that they were captured and raised by her. And you know, that was like three years. Mm, that's incredible. Because in three years, that's when she she went to be with the Lord. After three years of my conversion. And she did, did all this in three years. And she was 19 when God used her. So that means she was what? 22. So when she went to be with the Lord. And you know the kind of reward she has for fulfilling her assignment? And, and all this work we're doing is because of her. I wouldn't be here if it was not her. Can you tell us her name? <laughs> or not? If you're not allowed to, it's okay. Because I'm just inspired. I've written that in my book. Oh, you know, I see. The, 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 the name is, she was called 19. Yes, she's in the book. And there are many people knew her. But uh, she was not a pastor. She just was, she was an intercessor. And what she did to the third of us, more than actually, she raised us, she taught us to intercede, to contend. What I am today, I believe, is the foundation. Yeah, the foundation. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Hours of prayer, hours of waiting upon the Lord. I saw her obedience. I saw her faithfulness. I saw how she would uh, uh, always tell us about purity, walking right with God, reading the Bible. And that was three years. After three years, she wouldn't be the Lord. So. I am just blown away by this. I mean, I hope those of you watching are so inspired, stirred to see God the reality, the actuality of the spirit realm is just hitting you. How much all this stuff of, you know, things we hear about, the power of prayer, it's real, guys. This is something we need to go deep in. Now, there's two things I want us to touch on. Um, and after you got saved, there was some, uh, there, there was a time you went through a very challenging time. You got cancer and you were about to die. Can you just talk us through that season? So, uh, when this guy, when she went to be with the Lord, the lady who led us to Christ. Uh, one day she said a prayer. She said, Lord, these men are depending on me. And if I'm a hindrance to what they're supposed to be, please take me. I had that prayer. It didn't take long when the Lord said, now I'm taking you. Now, we were depending on her somehow. She was training us, but we had learned to like depend on yeah, you know, yeah. so when she went to be with the Lord I I, I don't know others but me I, I think I I lost something the sensitivity and the covering so I find there was this girl a young lady I found her and we began dating 
So when now that not the other has gone, but then this is a new one, a Christian. So he began dating. Now we dated and then we are, we accept we agreed to get married. So I didn't have money because I didn't have a job at the time. So she raised the money, she gave it to me from her parents to go and pay for her bride price. So I went, we did a what you call the introduction, my culture. Now ten days to the wedding, she gets a dream. In the dream, there was an old woman that was chasing her in the dream. Beat her up in the dream. In the same night I got a dream, an old woman was standing before me and saying, My husband, are you going? You remember the <laughs> and so I when I came out of the dream, I said, I didn't even go into prayer, I just ah, the blood of Jesus, like that, simple like that. That day she got a headache. And in the evening, she died. Wow. So this is someone you were engaged to get married to? Yes. So she died. But now, before, when before I got born again as a young man, all the girls I got involved in with, like a young young man, died. Including a girl who I got involved in and I, I got two kids with her. I have a son who I got before, and my daughter, also she died. So whoever could get close to me, like getting towards marriage, the other covenant of the other woman could kill her. So when this girl died, 10 days to the wedding, actually, no, 10 days to the wedding, when she died, she, it opened up a wound that had not been healed in me. I became bitter towards God. Deep inside of me, I questioned God, I became bitter and all this. And in that bitter, but I was preaching, the, the, I was preaching, I was praying, I was leading people to Christ and all that. Then I became sick. Mm. But I had faith God will heal me. I didn't go to hospital. But I, I could, there was a sign that I was sick. But then I, I couldn't fasting, praying, and what. Then one day I, I, I collapsed. So they carried me to hospital. I was unconscious for days. So when I, by the time I came back to my senses, I was in the Cancer Institute. And my mother's telling me they have confirmed you have leukemia stage four. And I was like, no, it can't be. Even the doctor say, but I don't know how it has. Like, so, I had cancer now. So, I'm in the hospital, and uh, they go through chemotherapy, the first, the first round, and I lose my sight. The doctor said there was a mistake, there was an error, and then they came, they came all messed up something, sorry, and they say I will never see all my life. And then they were trying to just to give an idea of timeline, how many years after that conversion experience is this? That's four years. Since so they're like 28 now, because you got they saved around 24? Yeah. yeah, now it's 27. It's 27. Uh, around 27 and 8, because I remember it was like three and a half years from the yeah. yeah. So I'm sick. I, I lost my sight. They said I'll never see again because of the chemo, my eyes. You know, when you have leukemia, they say the white blood cells are over my line. So they're eating up all your system. Then I became paralyzed. Then I say, I will never walk again because they had damaged my spine when they were trying to get some fruit from my spine. They did several times. Now, when the doctors realized that I was not going to make it, they tried all kinds of things like research on my body, all kind of medicine, all kind of, because they knew they were not. Yeah. So whatever they wanted to try, they could try on my body. They knew I was not making it. So I was, I'm in this hospital and uh, I'm blind. Then I'm paralyzed, so every, all my body is full of 
wounds by sores my fingernails are out my hair is out. like i'm a zombie mm. but during that time one of the young ladies who was among the team that was teaching me god told her to come to hospital and not pray for me but read the bible to me mm. so she came and the lord had told her to read 25 chapters every day every day for how long now for the whole year i was in hospital because i was in a hospital for a whole year and she did miss but let me tell you something she could not be allowed in my room because of the, the fear if you bring infection or what oh but because they said every time someone came into the room the vibration could send my body to shock so she could only stand outside the room and read but I could be in pain all day until the time she's reading the Bible. The pain, I was on morphine and all kinds of painkillers, but nothing would stop the pain. But the only time I was not in pain is when she began to read. And the moment she ends, the pain returns. And was this some, were you able to talk to no. people? So you were blind, you couldn't walk and you couldn't speak? But live, I could hear. So she could come and every day she was coming to hospital reading 25 chapters that's why that's some hours that's actually that's where i pick this thing that i do every day reading with five chapters of the bible so Eddie, you right now you read 25 chapters because that, that's how i picked it from that moment it's like god told her so she could come and read and read then the day the lord told us stop that day the, the hospital called my mother and said we can't do anything you can't stay here because it's expensive. So because I was on life support, I could not breathe. My lungs had collapsed, everything. I had multiple tumors in the brain. So they said, this, this man, this boy is clinically dead. Mm. So carry him home and prepare. Because the moment they knew, if they could take me off life support, I could not breathe, even for two hours. So my mother, I remember, she lifted me naked. Because the doctors and I could not hold me i was full of every part of the body was rotten and not just skin and bones and smelling and she no one could help her so she lifted me put me in a car carried me home knowing by the time she arrives home i'll be dead so we arrived home i was not dying then they, so they began arranging for the funeral like she she got the money paid for the funeral people would do all this and say so we're just waiting for a moment because he's going to die because by why i had tumors in the brain my lungs had collapsed blind paralyzed there's no way someone could live mm. so days she's waiting for me to die i'm not dying then she begins to pray her own prayer for me to die because she's saying he's in a lot of pain and there's no hope of him getting well so let him die and after days she gets tired because she's been in the hospital so she leaves me in the room she to go back to her room and sleep. So I'm there, I'm blind, I'm paralyzed, I can't even turn myself. And then suddenly, after one year, my eyes opened. After how long? One year. Just randomly at home. And when they opened, Jesus is standing there. So he comes to where I'm sleeping, not dreaming. He sits down and tells me, I have healed him. And I could not speak. Then suddenly my mouth opened and I asked him, 
from what? I don't know why I asked. <laughs> then he said, listen what he said, from that rebellion of your bloodline. Then he told me, go heal my people. Hmm. He walked away. I stood up. I went to my mother's room. I called her. She couldn't believe. <laughs> to her, she thought, now that's a sign of someone going to die. Hmm. So she began calling people, please arrange me. You know, I said, no, Jesus has been here. Jesus has been here. And she couldn't believe. I was walking, I was seeing, and I've been cancer-free up to now. This has been mind-blowing. This has been refreshing, stirring, challenging. So many things stirring in my heart right now. One is which I want to go home and pray after hearing this. <laughs> so that's a good sign. When you're hearing these testimonies and you're stirred to see God more, it's, it's a good sign. So I wanted to go back to what you told us in the beginning, this marriage covenant you entered into and how that started to affect, you know, relationships. You touched on that a bit. But how God eventually delivered you from that is quite important to share that. Because as I said earlier, many Christians don't believe that deliverance is something Christians need. They think, oh, you know, once saved, it's fine, everything is done, they always passed away. Yes, that's true, but there's still some sanctification and some things that God does with the soul to bring a wholeness. So can you just talk us through the journey God took you through? So uh, after my healing, I began out. I was, God healed me from cancer, and I began ministry. You know, people are coming, people are healed, people are get all kind of miracles. But I saw a pattern in my life. I could not get in any relationship because of the fears that had happened to me. And also, I could see that I had seen all these kind of things that are coming, girls dying. So in the area of marriage, I, had, I gave up. In the area that I was seeing in my life, though I was now believing God, there was extreme poverty amidst people being blessed. Mm. The people were blessed, they come to church, and said ministry at church, and blaze, you know, but no, I could see there was a lot of suffering. So I'm asking the Lord, actually I came to tend to believe that it was the way of serving God in poverty, in, so I said I'll never marry. Then one day I'm in my small office, and uh, this young lady comes in, she had her face deformed, like deformed. She had been attacked, she had gone to hospitals, and they said, we can't see a problem, but her face was deformed, like the mouth inside, the eye inside, you could not know that this is a person. Wow. So I look at this deformed face. And when I say, so what? And then I hear the voice of the Lord says, that's your wife. <laughs> wow. I said, no, it can't be. It can't. No way. I, but I've had, you know, there's that moment you've had, but you know. And I said, God, of all the women on earth, this one with the deformed face. So she sits there and you tell me, how she's been under witchcraft because of uh, she's she was a pastor's daughter she got attacked and she, so as she's talking to me in my heart in my mind I say I'm going I'm not going to pray for her because I don't even I keep coming so I'll not pray I just pretend I'm praying then she goes because I don't want her to come of what I've had so I pray a simple prayer Lord then when I opened my eyes her face had been restored Wow the eyes, everything restored. She was amazed. And I looked at her, she looked so beautiful. I said, Lord, I thank you for my wife. <laughs> so, <clears throat> she, I didn't tell her what God had told her. So she went, 
after they shall return to give thanks, say, I want to thank God for hearing me. And now I have a prayer request. I have my fiancé. Oh, God, she's already getting married. Now, her fiancé said, her fiancé was living in the UK by the time. So my fiancé is in the UK. But every time he wants to come for our wedding and introduction, something stops him. So I want you, man of God, to pray <laughs> that he comes. But then God had already spoken to me. So I said, now, what can I do? I told her, okay, we shall pray. So, but uh, later we prayed, things don't work out, and... After some time to my sister, you know what? God told me you were supposed to be my wife. She was like, what? I can't. I can't think about it. But she's a woman that fears God. She went and prayed. She came, gave me her conditions, uh, told me to buy a sword and all the things. I, don't, I won't go into that because of time. So we walked in a relationship. And uh, like six months in that relationship, always in my life, it was the cycles of always six months. So a six-month relationship, she comes back and says, the Lord has, I feel you are not the one supposed to be my husband. I don't know what she saw, what she felt, but I felt so offended. I told her, I, told her, I, told her, I leave the church. <laughs> leave my church right now. Leave my church. <laughs> I can't stay. You can't refuse. You refuse me and then stay. Hey. So, but she said, but God has told me to stay around. But that really hurt me and I kept saying what's going on. Then one person came and said to me, my pastor, there is a there's a conference of deliverance. Why don't you go there? Conference for deliverance. For deliverance. Like I said, I don't need to. I'm a man of God also. And I also do deliverance. Why should I go to another man's ministry? But I found God that I had that mind, that that spirit that I kept I could obey the voice of the Lord. So that day I was praying, and the Lord said, go to that conference. Yeah. So I went to this conference, and the man of God was teaching. The first time I went there, he was teaching about the covenant of the umbrical cord. Mm. And now, why? I said, I think this one knows what I'm going through. My umbrical cord had been taken to Tanzania in the port when I was born. And I kept going there every year to do a ritual in that place where it was. So I knew something about it. But then I didn't know how to get delivered from that covenant. So this man teaches about it and says, teach about it the first day. And then he says, by the way, I'm not going to pray for anyone. I'm going to teach deliverance. I'm not going to do deliverance. So he taught deliverance. I'm going to teach the source, the cause of things. So I'm going to teach for seven days, and on the seventh day, I'll pray for you. So I am in the conference, and the Lord speaks to me, say, seven days, you're not going home. You're not going back to the church. You're going back. You're going to the prayer mountain. So from the conference, go to the prayer mountain, pray through the night. Into the day, come back to the conference. Now, the prayer mountain in Kampala, in Uganda, is like a bush. And I didn't have money to to pay for like a room. So I had to sleep in the bush. You know, my mother slept in the bush mm. the first seven days. So um, I I go to the bush, I go to the prayer mountain, pray. I'm praying, I'm praying. Then during the day I come to the conference to to study. Then in the evening I walk back to the prayer mountain and I pray for seven days. So on the seventh day, I'm ready, the man of God is going to pray for us and release us. Then he says, By the way, I have not uh, dealt with everything. 
I'm going to teach another seven days. Ah. And then as I'm going home, then the Lord said, no, don't go home. Go back to prayer mountain. Now, that, that prayer mountain, the prayer mountain of uh, Apostle John Molina. Oh, that was his prayer. Yes, was he the one doing the deliverance? No, 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 minister. no, 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 the other woman, my mother, went to the forest of evil for 14 nights. nights. Now the Lord is causing me to be on the mountain of the Lord for 14 nights in prayer. This time in prayer to undo the covenant, the sacrament of the 14 nights she was in the forest. Mm. So on the 14th day, the man, this, you know, there are people that, it's not shouting. It's not kind of fire and break. No, no. <laughs> no, it's teaching. You know, and I'm wondering. Is it like John Melinda style? Very, very calm and chill. It's teaching truth and everything, like things are deep, and, but truth that it's not like let's attack the devil. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in my heart, I'm saying, ah, this one, there's no power. <laughs> you know, I'm like that pride. So on the 14th day, he says, Okay, I've finished teaching. Then he says, Father, deliver them. Like that, deliver them in Jesus' name. Pray the simple prayer. I was sitting in the back, I don't know what happened. The power of God pulled me from the back and threw me on the altar. From the back, you were thrown to the front. The front. And now, men, actually the whole church was praying for me for almost two hours. Because you were manifesting. I was manifesting. Now the pastor is manifesting. <laughs> you see? <laughs> so I'm manifesting demons. And people, everyone, and the kind of... And that's after, that's 10 years. 10 years from the time you've been rescued and delivered and you had a measure of deliverance yes. with the lady yes. that was discipling you. Yeah. yeah. But now there's this deep one. Can't be dealt by an authority. Because now this man is like a father in the land. So they're praying for me and it's 10 years. I'm in ministry. I have been saved for 10 years, but I'm still bound somewhere. Mm. My soul is trapped. So they pray for me for like two hours. I'm screaming, they're fighting, and then I come down. Then after praying, I realize in my pocket, there's something. So I said, what's in my pocket? I check. What's in my pocket? The dry umbilical cord. What? Now, scientifically, I don't know how it went wait, 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 from time. <laughs> okay, this is going to blow the minds of Western, Western minds. Yes. The umbilical cord was buried in a village in the forest in Tanzania and you knew where that place yeah, was like, during the deliverance it appeared in your pocket okay, in my, my pocket didn't come back. so it appears in my pocket I look at it I can tell it's an umbrella a dry one because it's dry I just said God has delivered me God thank you Jesus so I got it I didn't throw it away let me go home and burn it so I go home where I was sleeping I was living 14 days I was away from, I had a room a small room I was staying alone uh, one of the, the, the members of the church had given me a room where to stay, like as like help because I couldn't afford a house. So I go back to my house where I have not been for 40 nights. So I want to go back. I've been sleeping out. I want to go, but I'm, I'm celebrating. So I go into my room, open my room, and go to sleep. Then on my bed, I find a dead python. Ooh, dead. On my bed. And I knew this is the python that breastfed me as a child. So, it, I don't know, it's, I don't know where it came from, but it was one friend on your bed, but it was mentally me. So, I'm delivered in the church, I go back. And the sign was there right there on your bed? Under my bed, and it's dead. 
So I call the people around in the city, they pull it out, I get in the amber cord, we band them, and we are, and then it goes away. Then I know I'm delivered. Well, that marks the, the end. The end. And what, what proved that? Then after some, like some time, I go back to the God who refused me. I said, sister, you know, will you still marry me? She said, I'll go and pray about it. She went. After a few days, she came and said, yes. And now she's my wife. And now you've been married for how long? Now we've been married for 12 years. Wow, wow, wow. Look at that. So she's my wife now. And that's the sign that I was delivered. Because now I could stay in marriage. Yeah. I could marry. And I could see the ministry now start growing. And then, So after that, 2012, when I was delivered, I got married in 2011. Then, four years down the road, my testimony goes out in the nations. And that's when I heard about it. That's when you heard about it. And we are recording it. But, but you know what? So I'm going to get to pray for people watching before we wrap up. But something really amazing I found out as we're coming to this place to record is, with it, well, for those watching this in the future, today, wait, 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 it's July 2023. However, your mother just got saved last month. To last month on 12th. 12th of june 2023 so you led her to the lord after all these years actually my father passed on last year and this year I've, i made up my mind to fast and pray for my mother because you know I, I felt like let me say this deep in my spirit i felt something the work was not complete i felt my mother knew something and she had to renounce it before and you know of the reason i could see she was losing her mind going back when she wanted that mental break, breakdown. And I could say, Lord, this woman is going to die. But I feel there's something she has. For me to go forward, something has to be done. Mm. So I began fasting and praying. And the Lord said, oh, now go and talk to her. So I went, I got her, went to where my father was, in the village where he was buried. I sat with her son and began talking. And I said, Mom, God has revealed to me, you did this, you didn't tell me. You did this, you didn't tell me. You did this. So this is different things to what she'd already told you yeah so this is some other things and she, she she doesn't know that i know them but you received them by revelation by the revelation recently so i hear what she did and other things mom you didn't tell me this you did this to me you did this to my father you did this to all of us this is what you did but now you need to confess this and then she said how did you know that's a secret i said but the lord has revealed that you know i'm a man of god you've come to my church you've been in my meetings say yes so this is what what you did this is what needs to be done you need to confess this and i'm i'm there and he says okay i did that i didn't know but i thought i was helping you i thought i was helping the family how can i undo that because i see all my your sisters what they're going through and i see what how your father died i know this is what i did so i lead her into confession and after confessing uh tell her, can you do you want to believe the Lord? She accepts. She gives her life to Jesus. And when she accepted that, there's something I mean, when she accepted that, I heard the Lord say, now you are free to go to the nations and do my work. Wow. I'm surprised that now this recording is happening now. After, because it, I've been sharing my testimony. I've never recorded it like we are. I've never. And uh, I knew. Now, when that happened, no wonder now this time this message is now because it's complete now mm. and that was just last month and here we are recording and so it was last month because she had to do confessions what she did how she covenanted and to undo it so i led her in that prayer we broke that we ended that she gave her life to jesus just a month ago and now this month when 
We're here. Wow, wow, wow. We're here. And I believe this was prophetic. This was the, the reason why she had to do that and then had to come and and, and re there are many times people wanted to record this and share my but I felt not the right time. But also some other things sometimes I could not feel it's the right time or something happens and then the resistance then, mm -hmm. but now I can see now that the Lord arranged this arranged to be recorded and sent because now the story is complete. The enemy mm -hmm. has no legal right. And whatever my mother or my father or my people may have done on my life now has no legal right because my mother has confessed my father when he died he had given his life to Jesus Christ but my mother still was in that. Mm. So I thank God for this journey. And I want to say that in all this Jesus is Lord. Because if it was not the power of Jesus Christ uh, the, the 23 years I've known the Lord now going to 24th year I've, I always tell people I saw Satan and the power of the devil, the power of darkness, but there's the greatest of all power, which is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this is the starting point. If you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, you need to. If you doubt, but also, also if you are in the occult, you may initiate it, or you initiate yourself, or a, a friend, or a family, that's not the end. You can get up. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, if Jesus delivered me, no one, can, everyone can be Amen. If Jesus delivered me, because I, you know, especially in Africa, even in other parts of the world, people that have found themselves trapped mm. in all kinds of, in witchcraft, in Satanism, in all other kind of things, and other things that people are getting on, which are tormenting their souls. There's one who loves your soul, who is Jesus Christ. Mm. And he still calls us to come out of it, come out of that bondage, come out of that fear, seek help, seek the healing of your soul, and the deliverance of your life because that's the way out. Amen. I thank God who saved me and I thank God who healed me. Mm. My journey took 10 years. Mm. Yours does not mean it will take 10 years. It may take a few days. Mm. Mine t took 10 years because maybe it was a lot or I had not found truth to deliver mm. because it's the truth that delivers you. So if I found truth that delivered me, it took me 10 years. For you, it can take like two, one, a few months. Mm. I've seen people you know, in one of the things God has been using me to deliver people from the occult mm -hmm. all over the world, where mm -hmm. God sent me, in our churches, in our ministries, that's my ministry, to deliver people, young people, in universities, in homes, who have gone into the powers of Satanism. You know, our viewers, uh, the one watching, may not may think it's far-fetched. Mm -hmm. I've seen pastors say, I don't believe in that, it's not there until it's their son. Mm -hmm. When a son says, Daddy, I'm involved in this. I'm involved in the occult. I'm involved in Satanism. Like, you know, we're in days when it's everywhere in our homes, in our schools, in our churches, in our, in, in our communities. But sometimes we live in denial. It's time to open up our hearts to the Lord if there's anyone. Because you've seen, like, a, in many pastors' children who have been taken into, they call it a rebellion. Mm -hmm. But behind them, there are spirits. They have been possessed, they've been, you know, taken captive. And there must be, God is raising an army of intercessors to break the paths of darkness Amen. and rescue people from captivity. Amen. Jesus, when Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and look for it. He has anointed me to preach to the poor. He has sent me. So that look for 18 and downward is about opening prisons and dealing with captivity. Because captivity, you know, some people were initiated by their parents. Others, they were in rich abuse. They were taken to places and sexual abuse, but as a ritual to, to initiate them. 
others, my friends um, like in Uganda, have seen young people in school that were initiated into Satanism, into occultism by their friends. And they found themselves in these societies, secret societies, and then they are trapped. Mm. But Jesus said in the book of Matthew 16, 26, what will it profit a man to eat the world and then lose his own soul? Mm. So I want to tell uh, our people that have been watching this testimony, don't lose your soul. Mm. Don't, you've heard people say in their talking of somewhere that they sold their soul to the devil. Some for wealth, others for fame. And someone may be watching and you're part of the people that have sold your soul to the devil for fame or for wealth. Mm. And you become a celebrity, you're doing all this, but you know your soul is lost. You are covenanted to the evil one. But there's a way out. You can come out. This is where I love you to address people because even... Uh, in addition to what you've said, there are people who have been initiated through trauma, rape, incest, all sorts of demonic cool things happen in their past. And they're in a place listening to you just stirred, aware that they need God to break into their world in a fresh way. As we wrap up this recording, I want you to just take some time to pray over the people watching. You know, for many people, this has been an awakening. They've never heard anything like this before. And they can resonate with some of the things you've said. And as the Holy Spirit leads you, I would love you to just spend a few moments to pray over those watching right now. I think, so the first thing I want to pray that uh, if you're watching and you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. And by the way, you can look at the camera. This is the moment. This is the time to give your life to Jesus Christ, to confess your sins. And accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can pray this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned. I ask you to come in my life. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Remove my name from the book of death and write it in the book of life. Pray and say, I renounce Satan. I renounce the covenants and the agreements of evil. And I give my life to you to be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. So you are, if you've not been born again, you are now born again. Now the next step for your born again is to confess the covenants and renounce them. Mm. And also seek someone to help. Because I want to say sometimes it's not about casting out demons, but also healing, mm. especially emotional healing. All bondages end up in emotional abuse. All kind of exposure to Satan will bring pain and abuse on you and shame. And I know many people today, the issue of shame and abuse and all these kind of things are tormenting you. So I pray that you seek a place where to be healed. Mm. If you're young men, you're young women that have been found yourself in the powers of darkness, sold out, seek and confess. Find someone and share your story. Mm. Let me say this, James, before you pray that time. The more I share my story, the more I'm healed. Wow. Even right now, every time I share my story, something happens. It's like, the, say, don't hide it. I'm telling someone, don't hide your story. Say it. Share. The more you share, the more you heal. I've shared this testimony several times in different platforms, but every time I share it, even right now, because as I was telling you, every time I'm sharing, I go through the same experience, the pain, that rejection. I was rejected as a child. I was abused. I was molested. I know all kind of what happened. But every time I share it, you know, sometimes it's shameful to share all this. Like, 
I have children, I have needed. When I say I was sexually molested for five years by men, sometimes shameful. But the more I share it, I walk in the light. And the, every time I share it, I am healed. Mm. So break the silence. Mm. Be silent no more. That's what the, silent no more. Say it. If you are abused by a relative, a friend, a teacher, or whatever, tell someone, tell your pastor, tell a counselor, and say, this happened to me as a child. I was a battle. I was abused. I was, this happened to me, and I was sold out. And so the more you confess, the more the Lord will deliver you. So be open. Confess your sins to one another and be healed. Amen. So I pray right now for healing. The first step is the healing. Father, send your word to heal. I know there are memories that some people can't let go. Memories that they've carried for years, Lord. Memories of abandonment. Some were abandoned when they were in the womb. Fathers abandoned them. Some were sold out. Some exposed themselves. Father God, I pray right now the blessing of healing, the power to heal, to come down now. Heal that soul. Father, heal that woman that was abandoned and betrayed. That family that went through war, that went through betrayal, that went through the trauma of murder. I pray, O King of Glory, that right now that the power to heal will descend unto them in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, by your stripes we are healed. They are healed. That young man is healed. That boy that is on drugs be healed. That lady who was raped be healed. That boy that was molested and sexually abused. Lord, I pray right now, locate them to that in that place, the place where this happened, in that house, in that room, in that field, in that place where it happened, King of Glory, where the soul was fragmented and trapped. I pray that, King of Glory, you locate them and gather the trapped and fragmented soul. Bring it together. Restore, oh God. Restore that woman. Restore that man. Restore his life, oh King of Glory. Restore that family that has been scattered. Restore that marriage that has been broken. King of Glory, restore the man of God who was attacked because he didn't know about this when the enemy sent agents and brought shame on his ministry I pray king of glory that you bring him back to the place of healing and cleansing I pray for healing and cleansing in the name of Jesus. Somebody watching, I pray for your healing and your cleansing. You feel filthy, you feel unworthy, you feel rejected. I pray right now the Lord will heal and cleanse. It's what I feel in the name of Jesus for healing and cleansing. Healing and cleansing. Healing your spirit, soul, and body. Breaking the ungodly spirit, soul, and body ties. Breaking them right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. I cut all the connection and all the covenants. Father God, let the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ speak a better covenant upon this man and this woman. Lift them from the trap. Lift them from the deception. Lift them from the fear and the torment of the evil one. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, for the prison doors to be opened. I lift this woman and that man from up out of the pit, from the pit of rejection, from the pit of witchcraft, from the pit of abuse, from the pit of traumas. Lift him up, Lord, and out of the pits. And Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, let your light shine upon that man. Let your light shine upon that child, upon the baby that has been seeking and longing for a father, longing for a mother, longing for acceptance. Father God, I pray your light of love, your love shine upon her, your power come upon her 
right now and i declare you free i declare you healed i declare you set free i declare you healed i declare you cleansed in the name of jesus christ son of the living god it is done yes in jesus name yes amen amen, amen. so if, if wow. you pray seek help the lord will help you and you know we'll summarize this story james you can take more because there are a lot of things that we need to learn but yeah. i pray that, that what we summarize will be a testimony well it's it's been a huge blessing listen this is your first time in the uk it's been on my heart to capture this testimony i actually considered flying to uganda just to record this but then we thought let's just bring you here so it's been about three hours of recording this i didn't know it was going to take this long but it's been worth it and i hope you watching have been blessed so uh pastor james's ministry uh, is across the nations he raises up intercessors and you can check him out online he's got a book as well you can check that out it's called deliverance from deep darkness you can check it out online as well it's on amazon yeah yes so you can, you can check james kawaii look him up on amazon get the book a lot of these stories and more are in there thank you for watching share this with someone that this will be a blessing to them thank you for watching and see you soon god bless